You may be busy doing something while you listen to this podcast, but you're never too busy to eat healthy if you eat Vite Ramen. This podcast is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Show support for a sponsor that supports Moore's Law is Dead at the link in the description. And if you do, make sure you use offer code BROKENSILICON. And you can also support Moore's Law is Dead if you need Windows keys or software at cdkeyoffer.com. If you go there, also use the code BROKENSILICON for 25% off Windows keys or die shrink for 3 percent off everything else on the website all right now let's get on with the show Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom, and today I am joined in person by my co-host, Dan. How's it going, Dan? Uh, pretty good. I just uh, decided I would pop here quickly to record the, record the podcast and pop back over to Massachusetts. Yeah, it's really becoming a drag on the podcast funds, <laughs> flying you to Nashville to sit next to me for every episode, but we feel like you just, you can't get the full experience. There's, there's something lost when it's not in person. Yeah. And a little thing people don't know is, uh, usually we're just pretending I'm in my apartment. I'm actually like just off camera right over there. Well, what we do is we have you lay down behind this table. (laughs) Um, but yeah, Dan's here in person, you know, he wanted to visit Reese right now while she's undergoing chemotherapy. We thought we'd see a comedian, uh, laugh it up today. Uh, well, and yesterday, hopefully all three days you're here, but, um, all right. So actually we do have a couple of interesting opening reader mails here. So let's see. An almond breeze. Uh, all box. right. Yeah. I've, I've, this is actually from a different person. These are two different reader oh, mails. Oh, okay. And this one I thought was very interesting. It comes from Boston, but I won't say anything else about who it came from. And he says, hi, Tom, you were puzzled by the code name Stones. Uh, Here is your decoder ring. Cores have names. Zen 1 and 2 are Zeppelin. Zen 3 is Starship. Zen 4 is Stones. So what we came up with is Led Zeppelin, Jefferson Starship, Rolling Stones. I'm not sure what Zen 5 is, though, as I don't work there anymore. Mix a core with an interconnect to get the product. Just a retired fan. (laughs) Uh, I did not notice that, but I looked into it and I'm like, I guess it's plausible that's what AMD could have been doing, but that is my funny. My prediction is Clearwater then. Well, so, but I have Braithorn. Uh, I, I remember was, for yeah. Zen 5. Yeah, Zen 5. So, I don't know. Then again, they are moving to mythical birds for APUs now, so it's entirely plausible that they were doing like classic rock bands and then they moved over to something else. You know, uh, somebody gets bored and they need to come up with a new clever naming scheme, so. It just feels like every time AMD is changing naming schemes, it's not after they've exhausted. Like, they're kind of running out of the big Italian cities at this point, in my opinion, a little bit after Venice. But, I mean, really, again, we we were talking about this last night with APUs. They didn't make a DaVinci APU? Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, there's only so many they can go to before... they start exhausting like the big names. I mean, artists, there's artists, there's practically an endless 
well of uh, names you can go to, but Italian cities, I feel like what you, you, I think you can get like 20 names in there before it starts being like, all right, man. Even Bergamo is like getting a little bit into the 120 to 200,000 people range where you're like, still, I have a Florence though. Do we? No, no Florence. No Florence. Yeah. All right. Now this one, I think you're going to get a kick out of Dan. Is it another uh, thing that's just Loki roasting me? Or is that the it's last? from the person that was Loki <laughs> roasting you. So yes, the guy, the tryhard from before is back. Um, and uh, can you tell everybody what is inside of this box? <laughs> it is a a lot of plastic spatulas. So someone sent us just a box of spatulas, which is. Insane. And I think right away you can guess who this probably is. But what else do we have in here? Oh, and he even gave us a vase to put them in so we can have them in the background. Actually, I probably am going to do that now. Not while we're recording, but yeah, I might actually just have a thing of spatulas behind me moving forward. You should just have one of your uh, graphics cards hiding behind it, too, to really reproduce Mm -hmm. uh, Jensen's glory. I should start every review with a bunch of spatch. I I should have B-roll of every graphics card I review. You know, when I take out my camera and start doing like, I should have like, there always needs to be a shot where it's next to a bunch of spatulas. Then you need to get a leather coat. Tom, the updates and information you've been able to provide about Lovelace's GPU development cycle have been fascinating, but something that just seemed off each time you discussed it. And then while you and Dan were discussing the BRK, the big reveal kitchen, because we're always saying that, abbreviated, yep. for the upcoming BFGPUs and Broken Silicon 164, Eureka. Well, you may not have a million-dollar kitchen for your final Lovelace reveal, at least you can be king of the spatulas during your video. Live long and prosper. He's got a little... Who's that again? Oh. I'm blanking. Spock. Spock. <laughs> got a little... Maybe I can hold it up. Well, probably not. I don't know. Maybe. You can show this. Show Spock there. And uh, yes, this again comes from Sarcastro, the one who sent you several several mails because he had to remail it because it was USPS rejected it once. And then Almanac and a map of the US when you said you got stuck in traffic. So yes, this is the same person, Uh, Dan. Well, that tracks. We get something goofy and snarky. We know it's Sarcastro. If we get a bunch of snacks, we know it's Benny Berlin. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, uh, you know, each have their pluses. Benny Berlin is very good at picking snacks, though. So, Castro, you did good with this one. This is very funny. I think I'm going to have a bunch of spatulas in the background from now on. But uh, let us move forward with some reader mails from the script today. Spectre Neo writes in and he says, with Intel having made their down GPUs, how will user benchmark make Intel the highest score over NVIDIA once Alchemist has entirely launched? Will everyone all of a sudden be a major content creator once the drivers are fixed and Alchemist performs faster than their iGPUs for encoding, that is? I think that is what the special iGPU feature is, beating their own iGPU and encoding, finally. I think I'm going to say lowest reported frame time in an entire benchmark is how they'll... uh they'll report their scores because with that high frame variance, probably going to have at least one low frame time. Yeah. I mean, joking aside, I I don't, I think this is an impossible task for user bench to try to say something, but if in favor of Alchemist outside of maybe they'll try to find a way to say it's better than AMD at least. Cause I think we need to be clear about what, what 
user bench is. They don't seem to have a problem with NVIDIA so much as Lisa Sue killed someone in their family at some point. Like the vendetta they have against AMD, that's what it is. I'm not even sure it's pro Intel so much as hating AMD. Well, you have to remember, Tom, um, the person that ran, runs user benchmarks, parents had cancer and uh, a bulldozer uh, uh, system was working on finding the cure for it. And, and it I think just that's wasn't fast it. enough. It yeah. wasn't fast it's enough. An FX processor couldn't get it done. And he, the owners of UserBench blamed AMD ever since. Yep. That's a super villain or their super villain origin story. All right. Sarcastro writes in after sending us all these spatulas and he says, hi, Tom and Dan. Recently, a Notebook Check article stated how UserBench has gone to war with AMD. Allegedly, an AMD 7600X and a beat the 13900 engineering sample in a benchmark, and then they stomped their feet with a write-up saying that AMD is biased. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to skip ahead here, though. What I want to add on to the UserBench discussion, because recently in the news, there was that AMD Advanced Marketing Devices page. <laughs> With user bench yeah. and stuff. I actually did do some digging on that. Like, because that 7600X did seem to score higher than I expected. Yes. Like, I don't know that we should be so sure based on what I'm told. That is a real thing. And so you go, so wait, why would AMD? AMD didn't. Look, it literally showed up in the benches, AMD advanced marketing devices. What I've had suggested to me by two people, two people in the industry, is they think user bench faked the benchmark themselves so they could accuse AMD of faking a benchmark. I, That's what my sources have told me on this. You know, no matter what this full story is with a uh, user benchmark and their advanced marketing devices BS, I, I think, uh, I just think there's something so funny about this where I think no matter what the actual story is, there's an implicit admission by them that their benchmarking tool doesn't actually do anything or report real <laughs> the real world performance because either they're saying uh, either way what they're saying is this uh, engineering sample from amd abuses their benchmarking uh suite or whatever you want to call it to make it look like it's better than it really is which seems to me to say oh we know that this isn't a real benchmark and Either AMD abused our BS system or we're using our own BS system to try to make AMD look bad, which either way, they're just shooting themselves in the foot when I think either way you look at it, you know? And I mean, think of how quickly they responded to that advanced marketing devices thing and how quickly they had all these things to say. Yeah, they probably but I'm told they made it up. That they fake the benchmark and and I and, and like you say, it's like so. Doesn't that just show your benchmarks mean nothing, anyways? I, I, Whether AMD did it or not, I, I ultimately I I mean it's funny if they did this themselves, but ultimately I don't think it matters because no matter what the story is here, it it, it means user benchmark doesn't report good numbers or not good. I shouldn't say good numbers doesn't report numbers that are real world meaningful. Yeah. You know, like, it's it, a stupid it, company. It's startling to me or, how many people still use it, though. Yeah. I, like whenever, It just, it's the first time the Google search for some reason for benchmarks. Or whenever I see, like, a, something on Reddit about this, because all this stuff periodically get, makes its way to Reddit, there's usually a few comments that are like, oh, I use them to, you know, 
decide what parts I'm going to get. And the, every time I see a story like this on Reddit, there's a few converts like, oh, I guess I won't use user benchmark anymore, which means, oh, they might have they might, might have built a really of- stupid freaking system for no reason. I mean, I, I think I've said this before. Ultimately, it's not that important at the end of the day if like you're building a gaming system and you decided to get an 11400 or something it's not like the biggest world ending deal no. but it, it's it's crap and the I'm stuff they say about before. radeon graphics though is absolutely absurd oh i know like the uh their the uh rdna2 refresh stuff was it was hilarious. and they acted like ampere was the second coming of christ and a charity that NVIDIA would give you a high-end card for five hundred dollars, twenty eighty Ti performance for oh five hundred dollars. Meanwhile, what well, was selling for like seven to eight hundred dollars when they wrote that up? It's although they did really like the sixty eight hundred, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, really? They like that card specifically, which is interesting, being the lowest volume card in RDNA two. Yeah, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean. All I can say is I've had people ask, like, is there like anything AMD can do about like, like, is it borderline defamation how they just push so hard to make this thing appear at the top of Google search? And then it always says crazy stuff. And it's like, I don't think they quite can, but it is one of those things where I almost wonder. Yeah. And and then if like AMD were to say something publicly Mm -hmm. about user bench, is that just going to make more people discover user bench? I don't know, but it's probably not worth it. I mean, I, it's not like they have a ton of advertising or anything. It's mostly word of mouth. And anytime user benchmark gets brought up at this point, they're laughed out of the comment section because it's it's a terrible website that I don't understand how it's it's still up. Like, who's spending money to keep that site up? I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Now let's get into a single corrections in emissions. QH Freddy writes in and he says, In broken silicon 164, you point out that Intel isn't showing minimum 1% FPS in their graphs as being an indication that they're hiding the frame pacing issues behind average FPS with Alchemist. I don't think this conclusion can be made given that every company has almost always used average FPS in their graphs. Um, So I think this is a fair point that this is just the standard of what people show. But I'm for me, AMD and... Uh, AMD and NVIDIA, they've earned the right to for us to assume there's probably not horrible frame pacing. Well, uh, you it, can say I'm biased towards, you know, whatever, well, but I'm sorry, guys. This was a whole thing AMD had to deal with and NVIDIA had to deal with from Kepler to now, and they both seem to have it under control. So I think I can be forgiven for saying, you know, there's been countless reporting and and presentations from these NVIDIA and AMD about frame pacing and like what they're doing about it. And you know what they're like, they literally have parts of reveals where AMD goes through like latency and pacing as a whole subject in, in mm-hmm. the fact that Intel isn't doing that at all makes me say you haven't earned the right for us to assume. And the benchmarks are showing there's an issue. And every time I see a ben- I've seen the benchmarks for those, uh, for art graphics cards, and the crux of all of those reviews are benchmark videos is the about the frame times. At a certain point, it kind of feels like Intel is trying to hide it, you know? Yeah. It's hard I, to say. It's, I mean, on the surface, you'd go, hey, that's just how they show averages. But there's no... They haven't even told us the specs for the A750 yet. They haven't... 
really gone into XE super sampling basically can't be tested yet. I mean, yeah, no, like they tell us nothing. They show these averages. And we don't even know the specs of the graphics cards. And I, I think I want to know what frame pacing we're seeing when they make these specific claims of tiers of optimization working well in these types of games. They make these claims and then they only show averages and we don't know the specs. I, to me, I, I don't think you can say it's like intentionally misleading in a way of like, it's not like Intel's going out there and portraying a graph no one else has done before. That's mm-hmm. fair, QH Freddy. I, I take that point. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but this is all you're telling us. We don't even know the specs. Early benchmarks are showing frame pacing issues. So when I see those averages, I have no clue what it's actually like. Whereas if I look at an average for AMD or NVIDIA, I can almost entirely assume the averages have good frame pacing. Well, yeah, and it's gotten progressively... Well, I don't even know if I should say progressively better over time. Like, I just think it, there was a point uh, where... Spe- uh, I mean, especially AMD uh, in, like, 2011, 2012, had some pretty bad frame pacing issues. And then by... I mean, when I had my 390, my memory is the frame pacing was pretty good with that. And then it's gotten just, it just progressively better. better, where... I, I mean, there's practically no frame variance anymore with amd or nvidia it seems like it's it's crazy smooth and again it's i keep bringing up as someone who tested you know a gtx 580 and it was a three (laughs) gigabyte version so it had enough ram in the games and the settings i did i'm telling you at the same frame rates it does not feel as good as a recent graphics card not even close oh i i mean i i felt a little better actually i can remember going back like thinking back yeah Frame times were just terrible back then. And I mean, I, I don't know if I could have put a name to it at the time because I just didn't know uh, what these stats were as well. But I remember games just felt 60 FPS felt way more stuttery than 60 FPS does now. Yeah. And I guess I haven't had any experience with Arc, obviously, but it seems like uh, they're taking a step back to 2010 or maybe even worse with those frame times. Yeah. Um, all right. That's enough of the opening reader mails and segments, I think. Let us now get into story number one. NVIDIA overstock and Lovelace update. What's NVIDIA doing? When will the 4070 launch? Over the past couple of weeks, the NVIDIA leaking hasn't stopped. Far from it. As one would expect, it's included the usual torrent of seemingly random die configurations of power consumption for 8102, 103, and 104, And also a ton of speculation about when the RTX 4000 series itself will launch. Although in this writer's opinion, despite the noise, not much has really changed outside of just more background info popping up that we probably shouldn't always take seriously. What's been interesting, though, in this writer's opinion, is how NVIDIA has been handling their Ampere oversupply issues. And that info is important as it is linked to when Lovelace is launching. In a few videos recently, Moore's Laws did leaked that the 450-watt RTX 4090 that is poised to roughly double RTX 3090 performance is almost 100% launching in October. I mean, NVIDIA is now briefing their partners for a launch in October, though the day is not selected yet. Furthermore, the RTX 4080 and maybe 4070 are said to be under consideration for a launch in that same month, if not at least this year. This flies in the fact of contrary rumors from other outlets that recently claimed Lovelace would not launch this year. It will, people. However, the scope of the launch is still not decided for quite understandable reasons. NVIDIA wants to see how much Ampere stock is left over before making the final decision next month. 
Indeed, the biggest thing Moore's Law is Dead leaked on NVIDIA subjects recently is that NVIDIA has literally stepped in, bought up large sums of yet-to-be-used GA102 stock from AIBs, and then is assumedly using them in other products or throwing them away and doing another few things I actually still can't say yet to assist AIBs or push AIBs to support Lovelace. And so it must be noted, though, that some of the price assisting actions will expire by September, that after that, AIBs are on their own to sell off GA104 and lower, although they think they will be able to sell off most of GA102 by then, which is important because Lovelace is going to replace high-end here. Finally, note that this writer does not does have the opinion that no matter what happens with stock, NVIDIA is likely to at least paper launch or directly leak the RTX 4070 and 4080 by the end of November in order to stave off customers from considering buying RDNA 3. Okay, so yeah, there's been continued talk about Lovelace launches and overstock. There's been some people that were like, oh, it's not launching this year. All, I mean, again, this is one of those things where it's like, could something change? Yes, but like at this point, I'm now hearing that NVIDIA is literally briefing partners to prepare for an October launch for the 4090, that they're thinking about launching the others. Um, I, what do you think about this, Dan? And then also just what you've heard, what I've told you about NVIDIA shifting GA102. I mean, if they want to launch the 4070 but or, or up this year, I would assume, uh, or 4070 and 4080 this year, I would assume they kind of have to get GA102 out the door or they need to be able to decrease the price of GA102 cards a lot. To, I would think... Like the 3090 new needs to fall like below $1,000 if they want to launch a 4080. Which uh, it's, it's pretty much it's getting there. So it's getting... In, the 38, in the 3080 TIs, I think around 800 pretty often now. Okay. I mean, I guess I don't know what the 4070 and 4080, how they'll stack against the 3090. Well, I would assume both are going to be stronger. But well, ma- the 4080 should be 10 to 30% stronger, I think. Than a 3090 Ti, maybe a little better than that. Okay. You know, in that ballpark, better, I would get, I would like be- notably better. Like the 3080 was than the 2080 Ti. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would think a 4070 would probably then be around 3090 Ti. Okay, so those both need to fall below. I mean, those need to drop precipitously now, or they need to get rid of the remaining stock because what the 4070 is going to cost 500 bucks probably. I mean, I think 600, but but five to 600, I think is pretty safe bet. Yeah, but you can't be selling a 3090 for $1,100 or $1,000 still when something stronger comes out, even though presumably it will have less RAM, but still. (laughs) Well, and that's why you're seeing, you know, and I have an article up here me and Dan are looking at the 3090 Ti, one of the models on EVGA's website hit $1,149, which is $1,000 below where it was just like three months ago. (laughs) You bought that. I don't know what to tell you, man, but you were warned anyways. Like (sighs) you knew Lovelace was coming out this year. And it's like, why do you think they're cutting the 3090 Ti pricing in half in some places right now? Well, it's August. Lovelace comes out in October. They know they've got probably a month at most (laughs) to get rid of the top models. After that, well, they just have a shit ton of GA104 and 106, and they're just going to have to figure out what they're going to do with it. But if you think about it, you can kind of see how NVIDIA doesn't really need a price cut the 3070 yet if it just gets towards $500. That's still cheaper probably than what the 4070 will be. And they can do a minor price cut last minute if they need to. Like, 
all hands on deck is to just sell off the GA-102 cards because everything below that, whatever. They'll still be profiting if they were to sell 3070s for 400 bucks. And you could totally see a situation where a 4090 launches for 1500 a 4080 launches for 800 4070 launches for 600 and they just price cut the 3070 to 450 or $400. Then it's like, yep, pay 50% more for the 4070. It's 50% better. I think ideally, though, if they're going to be launching uh, 8102 or and maybe 8103 this year, I think at this, I think going forward by that point, you really might just want to have like 3060s in stock uh, at that point until they replace it with the until they can replace it with the lower well, end. Well, if they guys. were six gigabytes, it'd be a great idea, but they're 12, so. Yeah, yeah that's true. 3060 TIs, maybe get rid of the 3060. I don't know. But yeah. Because I, I, I don't know. It's just going to be a weird situation uh, scenario if prices for uh, Ampere cards don't drop and they release a 4090 for $1,500 again, and then a 4080 for, I don't know, maybe even $800. That's. They're, they're, they're going to cost, you know. the yeah the AIBs are going to be, I mean they're going to be cannibalizing the AIBs if they do that, which I mean I guess makes sense why maybe they need to buy off stock from them to, you know maintain a good relationship with their AIBs. Well, and the, the, I I said this in a one of the videos that's quoted for this kind of summary of all of this stuff that's been coming out uh, from me these past couple weeks regarding these subjects. Uh, this was that AIB revolt I talked about. Like I've had people behind the scenes refer to it now. Like there really was a thing where AIBs are mm-hmm. like, Hey, look, we know we have to buy you from you NVIDIA, but we don't anymore because we have too much stock. Seriously. We don't want lovely stock unless we can get rid of GA 102. And I think NVIDIA realized they can do things with these dies that the AIB is can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, again, I don't know, but like there's so many things I can think about. They might do with them. Could be a tax write-off, throwing it away. Or, I mean, like GeForce Now. Like, maybe they were planning to use Lovelace for GeForce Now. Well, if you have all these dies that aren't going to sell, just make a bunch of 30, 80, 12 gigabytes and throw them into the GeForce Now servers. Or, I mean, think about this. What I think AMDs can get very aggressive with uh, Professional, this generation with RDNA 3. Mm-hmm. And I've heard NVIDIA's is going to be pretty cool as well, Lovelace Professional. We expect nothing less. So, you know, I... They're going to have to price cut, you know, the A series eventually. Why not just use all these GA102 dies to make an army of A5000s? And then even if they were sold for two grand, three, like even if they were sold for 40% off, they made their money back. But these AIBs will not make their money back on any of these dies. So it would make sense for NVIDIA to make a deal with them. Oh, well, we can profit off of this. And if you're saying you literally won't buy Lovelace, okay, fine, you win. Well, we'll, you buy a bunch of Lovelace and we'll find a way to profit off of these dies selling A-Series or GeForce now or something. There's so many things NVIDIA can do where AIBs are just like, well, I guess we're... (laughs) Yeah, the the only thing I'm concerned about with this generation uh, specifically is just because prices took such a long time to start dropping Mm -hmm. where you typically have a more uh, slow curve down in price performance. Or, or, or you yeah, you slowly have a slow curve down in the price you might just have like this point where there's a couple month period where price performance, like, I don't know, fricking doubles seemingly because, uh, <laughs> because you get a 4090 for the same price as a 3090. And that kind of just forces Ampere off the market. And I don't know, that would, 
I'm worried a lot of uh, people are going to be left uh, pissed off that they at the point they bought a card, you know? I mean, I think some people will feel burned, but it's like maybe this was the most extreme example. But these things happen. There's mining booms. There's yeah, shortages. There, there was a time where a factory exploded. And we couldn't get new RAM for a year. RAM prices went insane. Remember, it wasn't from mining. Things happen and it's yeah. cyclical. Um, and, you know, I guess the other thing I would say, though, is it's funny. You know, the 3070 never really was $500 that consistently, let's be honest. It was more of like a $600 mm-hmm. card most of the time. But it, my understanding is that, well, at first, GA102 wasn't very profitable at MSRP with the Founders Cooler. The 3070 was. It was within their mm-hmm. wanted margins. And so I could, like, there's no, the 3070 was really never bad price performance. To this day, it's actually aged pretty well. You can see a situation where, again, well, it's never been bad price performance. We dropped the price to $400. And the only reason the 3090, 3090 Ti, 3080, 12 gigabyte, 30, you know, all of these like four cards at the top have such, have looked so insane with their price cuts is because they were always horrible price performance. There were like five cards spread across about 25% performance gaps, like every 5%, 5% stronger than a 3080, 3080, 12 gigabyte, 5% stronger than that, 3080 Ti, 5% stronger than that, 3090, you know, like it's like, it's absolutely hilarious. And so if you have an entire, if half of your lineup, like a third of your lineup is cards above $800, yeah, once you're going to replace everything above $800, there's going to be a bunch of cards that just lose half their value. But the mid-range from NVIDIA, or like the 3070, maybe it loses 20% in, if the 4070 is $600, 50% more money for 50% more performance. Yeah, I know. It's just at a certain point, the thir- even the 3070 is going to have to be like 300 bucks, though. and <laughs> It's going to have to be, but I think that's why I, I hear zero about the 4060. I don't think... You know, and, yeah. and and I guess th- this kind of gets me into another thing. I want to wrap up about this conversation. I'm not saying the 4080 and the 4070 will like really launch this year, but the more I think about it, the more I go, well, maybe Nvidia doesn't need to do this because AMD's only launching Navi 31, which we'll get to that in the next story this year. But at the same time, Navi 31 could be a few SKUs. I wouldn't be surprised if Nvidia at least launches like the 4080. Paper launches it that way, that way they have the 4090 at top and they launch something on paper. So anyone who's thinking of getting like a 7800 XT goes, mm-hmm. well, the 4080 is out. I'll just wait for that to come in stock. And then in reality, it's not in stock for like five months. And NVIDIA is just like, well, it's out of stock, but you can get this. Oh, look at this new 3080 for $500. You want to <laughs> get that on EVGA? Because that's that's honestly what I suspect is going to happen. Is NVIDIA is going to paper launch the 4080 and 4070? You know, again, five cards are sold on Newegg. They'll go, oh, it was real. And then they'll just try to use that as a way to get people into trying to buy last-gen Ampere and say, oh, no, don't buy the 7800. Don't buy the 7700 XT. The 4080 is out. It'll come in stock. Wait for that. Hopefully that's a less viable strategy this time around, though, because I think I think part of the reason that was so effective last generation, or you could kind of do that last generation is, you know, we were in a huge mining boom and now mining is crashing. And I, I think that should make availability a lot better this generation compared to last gen. Well, yeah. And I've seen some people say, 
um, you know, I don't want to buy any cards. I don't want to reward these companies. How can you say you should ever consider buy now? Because I have warned people that I do think some models could go up in price in September and then the 4090 will come out. And I can't promise you how much volume there will be day one, although I think there's going to be more this time than last time. Let me say that. But so, you know, again, like I, what I've been trying to tell people is if you see a 6700 for like <clears throat> close to 300, a 6600 for like 250 or less, or or I've noticed on EVJ's website, a 2060 is almost 200 or less. It's like, well, I don't think yeah. you can do better than those cards below $400 for a long, long time, guys. So I'm not telling you to rush out and buy a new high-end card. I'm just saying if you're a budget gamer, this is... They're not going to replace the low end for a while, and I think the low end may be bottoming in price now mm -hmm. before the mid-range will. TMC Paint writes in, he says, Howdy, after Lovelace launches, do you see NVIDIA continuing to manufacture any Samsung 8 nanometer Ampere dies? If so, which ones? I wouldn't mind seeing NVIDIA keep making GA104 for dual sourcing. Thanks. Well, so I think this may have used to have been a plan. Like they were like, hey, if we put a generation on Samsung as well, next gen, if we need more supply, mm -hmm. we can just keep making it, you know, on two areas. But uh, they overproduced. So I actually think that's very unlikely now. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, what? Maybe 106 or something? They well, that's keep the it. thing, like, though. Wait, I, what's on 106? It's just the 3050 Ti. I mean, 3050, that's on 106 for desktop, right? Well, 3060. Yeah, yeah, and the 3060. And the 3050 really doesn't need to be on that. It could be yeah. using GA107, and I still don't really understand what's going on there. But I don't think they're making many of them. So I think it may just be the worst of the worst yields, I guess. But honestly, I would be surprised if they didn't keep making GA107 for a while because they could use that to make a RTX 3040 eventually. Like right now, they have the 2050, uh, which is also based on GA107, by the way which is so weird. They call it the 2050. Um, and then there's also something like an MX650. Or do you think there's any, this is just random, but like any chance that they would ever make like a 3060 six gigabyte and say, have this for like 250, 250? or something. Um, That's just random throwing something out there. But <laughs> yeah, or even do something even weirder and they call it the desktop like 3050 Ti, and it's really just a 6 gigabyte 3060 with maybe two more SMs disabled. Yeah. Six gigabytes, but it has less RAM than the 3050, and they're like, eh. Sure, here. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's something to think about because I do hear that the cost, the bombs for Lovelace are even higher than Ampere. So, because they're on for nanometer, they, again, they, they're pretty, I mean, I know they're monolithic, but they're like the most advanced monolithic uh -huh. you could imagine. So I don't know. I, I think they'll keep making GA107, TMC Payton, and I think there's a chance they keep making 106. They probably keep doing low production runs of all of them, but in in effect, I, I'd be surprised if they made more than the low end. The very yeah. low end. And mostly, again, for like mm -hmm. weird things. Like you said, if they needed a 3066 gigabyte, if they need MX650s, so they don't cut into TSMC manufacturing. Yeah, I, I just think it's... It's in a weird place where I, I, I don't think you would want to make anything stronger than the 3060, really, but the 3060 has 12 gigs of RAM. So that's where I just threw it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they would make a 3060 6 gigabyte and below or something like that. Or I don't know. Call that the 3050 Ti or something. I don't know whatever man writes in. And he says, Aloha, law is dead, brothers. Is the Ampere oversupply problem also an AMD problem? AMD has its own exclusive AIBs in the form of Sapphire, PowerColor, ASRock, and XFX, but 
I don't think any of these are as big or recognized as Asus, MSI, Gigabyte, or even for sure EVGA. So are the AIBs also telling AMD that they can't sell their cards, these AIBs he's saying, by someone like Asus or MSI, because they need to sell off Ampere stock. So they can't make next gen a lot. I think that's an interesting thought. Is RDNA 3 also potentially delayed due to NVIDIA's Ampere shenanigans? The answer is yes. Like this affects AMD not as much. It doesn't affect the AMD only AIBs as much. So there will still be Sapphire, PowerCard, and ASRock and XFX chomping at the bit to get RDNA 3 to make, to sell. Yeah. But yes, the Asus, MSI, and Gigabyte, yeah, there's going to be more lagging here. And uh, there's a reason AMD has pushed Navi 33 back until next year, and it's now entirely for laptop. Well, yeah, but no matter what, there's still going to be a... They're competing with NVIDIA's stock no matter what. Or I, I should say the not stock. They're competing mm-hmm. with their supply no matter what. And their own overproduction to a certain degree of yeah. RDNA 2 to a much, much less degree, but it is a thing. But like if there's st- if mid-2023, the market is still being flooded with like low-end Ampere GPUs or something, I that doesn't put AMD in a good position to launch low-end cards because they have to pre- they have to be competitive with those ampere prices like they can't just say yeah well screw it this is a newer card we're going to charge you more for worse performance that yeah exactly that's not how people so whether AIBs were threatening decisions. them or whether AIBs were directly telling AMD this or not it it affects them the same way really yeah um deep glugs writes in he says in my experience much if not most of amateur AI research is being done on large 24 gigabyte GPUs like the 3090 but 24 gigabytes is quickly becoming not enough for the state-of-the-art neural networks. Have you heard any rumors of upcoming cards with more than 24 gigabytes? Say a Titan-class Lovelace with 48? Um, well, it's up to NVIDIA if they launch a 48-gigabyte Lovelace card. That's something they just could do. So I'm not going to say yes or no. Right now, they haven't briefed partners on one. That so. sounds to me like still it would probably be more of a uh, professional focus card more than a gaming focus card though because or gaming advertised card because i don't think you need to go above 24 yet i mean you might get one i'm trying to think of like to me 48 gigabytes is kind of like what 12 gigabytes was when titan maxwell came out Mm -hmm. it's like well they kind of made sense to go above six gigabytes after the kepler generation of titans because they weren't filling up but they were getting there and it's not really a titan anymore but 12 gigabytes feels like what 48 gigabytes is now you're not filling up 48 gigabytes <laughs> in a game, dude, for years, unless some fundamental shift happens. And if it does, well, it's you're going to want to wait for whatever that shift is that required the extra RAM anyway. So I, I don't know. I don't really see a point in a 48 gigabyte only gaming card or gaming first card. Um, they could certainly do it, though, if they just wanted an excuse to charge an extra thousand dollars for it, I guess. I, I but... mean, it's going to happen in the next four years i'm sure but i just don't think there's a point in doing it yet i don't i, don't, I think it, i think it's like with 12 gigabytes of titan maxwell for being honest back then you know with maxwell nine gigabytes would have been like a crazy amount mm-hmm. and 12 just seemed like okay like, <laughs> i don't know man most cards right now are three gigabytes you're saying six would be nice but 12 is absurd like yeah <laughs> just kind of like 24 is nice but 48 is absurd yeah um what i will say is there's professional cards coming i'm pretty sure with maybe 48, 96 gigabytes. Oh, yeah, that's not a surprise. But I don't think you need me to tell you that a source told me that. I mean, what do you think they're going to do next gen? Crazy, what is it? 
Hey, what's this message over here? You want treats, belly rubs, walks, and to not overpay for Windows keys. Well, I can definitely handle the treats, belly rubs, and walks on my own. I can't help Reese with getting reasonably priced Microsoft keys without CDKeyOffer.com. This piece of content is sponsored by CDKeyOffer.com, a long-term sponsor of Moore's Laws Dead and its community for any time someone in my community needs reasonably priced Office or Microsoft operating system keys without paying excessive monopolistic pricing. But that's not all they offer either. They also have great deals on PlayStation, Steam, Origin, and Uplay keys, and physical products like gaming chairs and keyboards and mice as well. They are always running sales, but make sure you use the best code possible provided for Moore's Laws Dead fans for the biggest discount. Use the links in the description or on screen and then the code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off Windows codes or die shrink for 3% off everything else on the website. Being on these links really does help the channel a lot and using the offer codes helps it even more. It keeps CD Key Offer as a reliable sponsor for this community and for you to use again in the future as they keep sponsoring us. Go to cdkeyoffer.com today. Story number two, Navi 31 is likely the only RDNA 3 configuration launching in 2022. And we know how it and Navi 32 and Navi 33 are organized. So I didn't do a write-up for this one. This was one of those things that was somewhat last, not last minute, but like literally I put out the video for this while well, you're getting on the plane after Sky Juice on Angstronomics put out this update. I guess, let me get the stuff that I leaked the week before out of the way. I'd already been leaking that Navi 33 was mobile focused, you know, mobile first launching in 2023. And that, although some people have told me recently, no, really though, they were planning to launch a desktop with it this year. Not anymore. Not with the new, you know, supply issues. Um, but outside of the Navi 33 laptop first launching next year stuff and Navi 31 being the only card coming out this year with people telling me that it's, I think I even showed a, an email on screen from one of my sources, like saying Navi 32 is nowhere near ready. Like it could be quarter two, quarter three next year for all <laughs> I know. Um, Angstronomics came in and said a lot more specific stuff. So I didn't do a write-up for this. There's a link in the description for the video where I go through what he said, but I guess, yeah, I'll, let me do a quick summary and then we'll start talking about the stuff he leaked. So Angstronomics put out basically the entire design of RDNA 3's Navi 31, 32, and 33 configurations. Um, the big the big takeaways immediately are the way RDNA 3 was designed was to minimize um, area while maximizing performance per watt on the smallest area, which, mm -hmm. frankly, you would say, it's not always what you want to do, but I, I don't know. I, NVIDIA seems to just, like, stretching their legs out every now and then, and AMD really really seem to obsessively try to minimize how much space they take up in addition to the performance per watt. Part of that is a new generation of Infinity Cache. It's, again, it's not just more of the same. It's a new type of Infinity Cache, or a new generation, I should say, of Infinity Cache that is higher bandwidth, lower latency, and they have as much as there is per section of Infinity Cache, but it moves the data faster. And so there's less of a energy penalty going through it. And it's pretty insane because it suggests that there will be Navi 31 models almost certainly with just uh, 96 megabytes of infinity cache, the same amount as Navi 
22 right now, the yeah. 6700 XT. However, there's a caveat. They can stack du- another layer of cache on top of that, making it 192 megabytes. And so then you go down the list and, you know, this has been heavily rumored by other people. This is what a large part of the notes I was putting together to leak in a couple of weeks, but clearly Angstronomics beat me to leaking this <laughs> type of information, um, that it's uh, 96 legacy compute units, double the amount of stream processors or ALUs per compute unit per workgroup. So somewhat Ampere-like. More, ca- more, I believe more L1 and L2 caches stated in there as well. And uh, yeah, so I mean, if we're comparing it to what we have now, just keep in mind each compute unit I'm about to say, they don't really think of them as compute units anymore. But if you wanted to convey it in old terms, still, even in old terms, these have double the FP32 cores inside of them. 96 for Navi 31, and then 60 for Navi 32, and then 32 for Navi 33. And then the top one's 384-bit. The second one is 256-bit. The third one is 128-bit, as I also leaked, and a bunch of other people have too, and 8 gigabytes of RAM. The shocker there being, though, with Navi 33, well, two shockers, uh, 32 megabytes of Infinity Cache, which I was told recently it could be 64. This is even half of the lowest thing I was told, so I don't know what to say. It seems this like is... just across the board, it's 32 megabytes lower uh, for each die. Well, or, 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 or it's like half as much, unless you take into account they can stack cash on it, which I'm told right now they can't with Navi 33. Okay, I mean, not a surprise. <laughs> but the, honestly, the biggest shocker for me was that Navi 33 has a 200 millimeter squared die, roughly, according to Angstronomics. And I just want to be clear, you know, uh, we're jumping around a little bit on this one, but what I can confirm, and I said this in the video, reaching out to a bunch of sources, is the CU counts or the ALU counts, the bus counts, the infinity cache. Basically, the majority of the specs are correct uh, for all of them as far as I know, but I cannot confirm the die sizes of anything myself. I'm not saying it's not true. I would assume it probably is true with how much this is confirmed to be correct, but I cannot personally say the die sizes are what they are. I just don't have that information. So, you know, right or wrong. I mean, I I guess they all do seem pretty small, right? Or what? Because 31 is going to be, I mean, just quick mental math. That's about what? 540 millimeters squared. Which, I don't know, that's not tiny for... Right, but, but and that's even without... You're talking for Navi 31. You combine the... Six, I com- yeah, I combine the, the six dies. Which I guess I, I didn't even say that. If you're listening to this and didn't watch the video, let me just be clear. The way RDNA 3 is organized outside of the monolithic versions, which Navi 33 is a monolithic version on 6 nanometer, they have one 5 nanometer die of most of the stuff, including the workgroups, compute units... And then around that, they have infinity cache slash memory controller dies. So there's six memory controller dies for 384-bit, four for 256-bit for Navi 32. If you were to combine all six of these memory controller dies and the graphics die for Navi 31, you get to, I think I've added it up, it's like 533 millimeter squared, which sounds small to some people, but it's actually, I believe, slightly bigger than Navi 21. And then add the fact that they're likely to add another layer of cache on top of that as well. And you're getting to something that if it was, guys, if it was a monolithic design, we'd be probably over 600 millimeters squared. Because there's other things you have to do with a monolithic design that you can't save as much on space. You need a little bit of dead silicon to space things out for frequency reasons. And 
this so it's Navi thirty one. It really isn't any smaller than I would have expected. All things added up, including the layer of Infinity Cash on top of the other layers, you're looking at something that's about the same size as eighty one hundred two. And Navi thirty two isn't small either. It's a little bigger than Navi twenty two, actually, if you add it all up, I believe. Yeah, and this is it, it, marginally bigger. It's twenty millimeters. Navi twenty one is about twenty millimeters squared smaller than yeah. uh, thirty one. So. They're using new nodes and it's bigger. So yeah, this yeah. is this explains why the performance is going to be so much higher, guys. Navi thirty three though is like a third less in well, size. Navi thirty three is like, well, Navi thirty three according to him is what two hundred millimeters squared. Yeah, that's mm. tiny. <laughs> and I, I was expecting, you know, I said that I was warned by some sources that the estimates out there for Navi thirty three's die size are too big, and I took that to mean. Okay, so below 400, maybe 360 to 400 millimeters squared. Apparently not. Uh, apparently it's... And there was a bigger version. He does say that in the article that there was a bigger version. There were versions that even used the memory controller die. So for all I know, it could have been bigger. And it was going to have more infinity cache, which would have made the die size bigger. But still, it's there's no way around it. If this actually ends up in how small it is... I don't know. That's just so much smaller than expected. I mean, and you have to look at it. I mean, it's what? uh, Basically, everything on Navi 33 is you slash everything by two-thirds versus uh, Navi 31. So, I mean, that's roughly in line. It's a a, a little bit bigger than if you just slash the die size by two-thirds. But Yeah. And um, I don't know. What's interesting, too, is what he says. Because I guess let me say this here, then. I've seen a lot of people see this, and the two big reactions were, wow, AMD is brilliant. This is going to be substantially cheaper to manufacture than Lovelace. NVIDIA is in trouble. Then there's also been people going, well, this is going to be not that strong. Maybe it'll be on the lower side of the estimates I've heard uh, for like Navi 31 and 32 and stuff. But Mm -hmm. no, the the, the facts don't lie here, guys. They're going with a 50% bigger bus, leveraging 5 and 6 nanometer when they used 7 nanometer before. It's a brand new architecture that I'm told is more impressive than RDNA 2 was over RDNA 1, guys, on its own, without being disaggregated into multiple dies. And it has, you know, 1,200 shaders instead of 5,000 last gen. I think this can totally double performance. Now, what I've been warned is do not expect it to be over double, though. Like, a lot of people have been hyping up nonstop for years but no, I think it's totally plausible. It hits like 80, 90% for the top one or or higher too. And that's the other thing one of my sources warned me about though, is he's like, the numbers I saw though, you know, that weren't quite double, this was before they were going to overclock it. And if you listen to their public statements, Amy's literally said, if NVIDIA raises power consumption, we will. <laughs> so yeah. I think we can take it to the bank then. RDNA 3 is about 50, 60% more efficient per watt. It was always planned to be about up to 375 watts. Now it might be 400 watts or something. So what does that tell you? Even if you lose some efficiency, it should roughly double RDNA 2 performance. And if you add in ray tracing, I bet it more than doubles. I, I still have a hard time with like the core count thing because I I guess I guess we'll see how it shakes out, wh- whether the increase in core count, if it's kind of what happened with uh, uh, Ampere, where they were advertising like a doubling in uh, compute. What I've I been don't told is it's not linear. I doubt it will, but be. they can clock it faster, and it is it is. Well, and they it's get comparatively. More... It's like the top Navi thirty one will have more than double the uh, the top Navi thirty one will have more than double the uh, cores of 
Navi uh, of uh, the 6900 XT, probably. Yeah. Unless they cut that thing down a lot. (laughs) But yeah, so it's not just, and, and you know, there's a video I put out called RDNA3 Economics where I talk about how AMD wouldn't be disaggregating 3D stacking, moving to multiple chiplets unless it was cheaper. They don't just, oh, we found a way to spend more money. Like they would only do this if they could get high performance out of it. And if they can make it cheaper, everything AMD has made since Lisa Su took over was fundamentally trying to maximize efficiency at every level. They're not just mm-hmm. going to always oh, spend more and it's crazy looking. That's what Intel's doing with Pontevecchio. They can't launch it. <laughs> if AMD is doing this, it's cheaper to make than if it was only on five nanometer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think too, just to debunk some other things I could see people saying like, oh, but some of it's six nanometers. So how this compete with Lovelace? Yeah, well, but it's the portions that don't matter if it's on six nanometer. Like, there's no performance loss, or if there is, it's like ten percent with it being on six nanometer versus five. And the fact that all these dies are so small means they're almost all golden samples. So yeah. they're going to be perfect voltage curves for the entire. It's this thing's going to be insanely efficient and cheaper to make than Lovelace. Which, again, whether AMD wins ties or slightly loses performance, and I'm not saying they will lose. You know, everyone's like, oh, he's wavering to. I'm saying it's always been they're going to be close if they even if they did lose i think they're going to have something that uses like 30 percent less energy and sells for less money anyway so i think they just win it, if that's what matters to people is price performance at the top end but but that's the big problem it's like i, I think i think you're you're in a weird spot where if they sold this the uh 7900 xt for like i don't know $1,400 or something, and it was <laughs> and it was 5% weaker than the 4090 for 2000 or I don't know, whatever price they're going to sell it for. A lot of people go, go for the 4090 because, you know, at that point you're drag racing yeah. a lot of the time. Well, and, um, you know, one of my sources that didn't get back to me in time for the video but got back to me after the video was out, actually uh, two sources did. One, uh, there was something in my video where I said I can't confirm... I could 100% confirm the specs of Navi 31 that Angstronomics said. I could not personally confirm from anyone the specs of the, or the number of ALUs in Navi 32. Recently, guys, someone reached out to me and said, oh, that is correct, actually. So Mm. it is the 7,680 FP32 cores for Navi 32. So I'll just directly say, no dispute there anymore. It's correct. But also what's interesting is looking at Navi 33, and people are like, well, how strong is this going to be? Well, I was told Navi 21 performance, and you guys have noticed the past few months I've been focusing on, well, Navi 21 1080p performance. Uh, I don't know which, not that doesn't necessarily mean it'll beat the 6900 XT, but what's interesting is there's still a source maintaining it's going to be around the performance he's been saying the whole time. Mm-hmm. And there's another source saying, eh, it should probably, if they pushed it, beat the 6800 in 1080p at least. And and then Angstronomics himself says Navi 33 outperforms Top and Alchemist, which remember, guys, uses a die size supposedly twice as big <laughs> as Navi 33 while pulling less power. I mean, if it beats Top Alchemist, that means it's at least close to a 3070 anyways, which isn't that far away from a 6800. It's like 15% weak. So it, it's totally plausible. It's still Navi 21 performance in 1080p are close. And I got to be honest, even if it was just like a 6800 in 1080p, this is the most phenomenal architecture ever made if this die size is correct. It's the only yeah. reason I question it, not because I'm questioning Sky Juice. It's just, I. it's hard to believe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. at six nanometer, if they fundamentally redesigned an architecture to make best use of six nanometer over seven, it, it you can get like a 10, 20% boost with it. 
But going from something that what you're saying is they're going to at least take Navi 23, make it a little smaller and make it perform 50% better is mm-hmm. basically what it sounds like. That sounds absurd. Unless it clocks in, in, insanely high, but I, Which it, I mean, I, I don't know. It's plausible it hits like 3.2 gigahertz, I guess. But I, I, I'm going to have to see this to believe it because if this is a car this big on 6 nanometer that performs this well, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Like, we just need to <laughs> declare it. This is their Maxwell moment. They freaking yeah. pulled a rabbit out of a hat. Yeah, I, and I don't know. I think, th- think 3 gigahertz is the, I don't know, highest i would guess like <laughs> i don't think they're gonna be going to 3.5 or anything anytime soon but some people think they could by the way but i will that's one of those things where it's like well i'll believe zen 2 hits five gigahertz when i see it in a package this we'll see yeah, yeah. <laughs> um all right anything else to say about this story i mean we know it's now out there what navi looks like and i think no matter how you put it amd has the better architecture it seems unless more surprises come out but that's what i'm seeing here yeah, I mean, I think at this point, at this point, it really is almost just waiting for uh, AMD and NVIDIA to actually show off something official because, you know, you have the estimate for the performance you're going to get. You basically have what Navi, I mean, what uh, RDNA 3 is going to look like. I, I don't know how much else there is to say about them. Yeah. All right, QH Freddy writes in, and he says, It seems rather interesting to me that Navi 31 seems to have gone from a 256-bit bus to a 384-bit bus through development. Could this be, with the lowering of Infinity Cache, should I be a sort of reverse of what Navi 21 went through with 384 to 256-bit with cache? Or is it just something that is necessitated by the vast performance uplift rumor to be brought to the table? It also does really change the perspective of Navi 33 with its 128-bit bus as well as I think because now that is only a third of the throughput of top RDNA 3. Um, My understanding is Navi 21 mm-hmm. was always 256-bit. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there were rumors of 384-bit on that one, but what I was told is AMD... Oh, actually, you know what? Let me take that back. Actually, there was. Very... Uh, no, I remember very very early on supposedly there was a 384 bit design for navi 21 very early and they never went anywhere and then they put it in the drivers for fun anyways last minute to mess with leakers <laughs> so yeah i i think there was a little more deliberation this time around but but in a way i guess you could say there was deliberation either way yes it's kind of a reverse i think before- that is unless uh you have a uh, scenario where they do uh, 3D stacking for, of cache for Navi 21, or or if one of the SKUs has 3D stacked cache. Navi 31, you mean? Did I say 21? Yeah. Oh, sorry, 31, yeah. Yeah, maybe, depending on what they can do. Like but... if we're talking about the ratio of the bandwidth to uh, infinity cache. Yeah. Well, and I'm like, and if you think about, you know, what, the, what they did is they said, oh, our first generation of Infinity Cash works insanely well. Uh, we actually think it'd be worth just 100 millimeters squared to use a 256-bit bus. Now they're moving, and nodes have become a little more expensive, though. And they might go, well, actually, this time, the new Infinity Cash works twice as well as before. It works twice as well as before. So maybe we just add 70% more bandwidth, 384-bit bus with faster RAM. And then they say, has a, a little more cash or around the same. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't actually need more. 
this time because the bus is bigger and we have access to faster ramp and silicon's more expensive now before it wasn't as expensive now it is that's just the balance they have to decide on each time yeah and i also think there's an interesting thing to consider here with the stacking of the infinity cash as well so if you think about it they can have a top end model that they push to like 400 watts with 192 megabytes of infinity cash liquid cooled that thing's going to be a beast. But they can use that same configuration and they could maybe have a model with only 96 megabytes of infinity cache, cut down central die a little bit. And then they could make a 320-bit version not using some of the memory controller dies and also not put cache on it. And you could remove a significant portion of the silicon, literally just not even using it. Mm-hmm. So, like, the way they've designed it, focusing more on a bigger bus, less cash, allows a little more flexibility in that department. And because this is a flexible architecture, I think that makes more sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, all right. So, Happy Pill writes in and he says, any word on Navi 32 specs? Well, we already talked about that in launch date. I already said earlier, I think maybe quarter two next year or something. I'd very much like to pick up a 7800 XT, which I presume won't be built on the big die. Uh, I, we'll see. Uh, it. Probably will be, actually. But he goes, but at the same time, my GPU budget is burning a hole in my pocket. And with prices falling so quickly, I'm almost tempted to buy a high-end current-gen product. Will the card I want launch by the end of the year, or should I wait for prices to collapse further and snag a 3080 Ti 6900XT on the cheap? This 1060 I'm on is getting a bit old, I'm afraid. Thanks for all the amazing content. Well, I, I'll answer the pricing question. I think this is a very easy Look, Navi 32 is going to be like 10, somewhere between, we'll see, 10 to 50% better probably than the best cards on the market now. It's going to be between $500 to $800. Do you want to spend $600 now for something 30% weaker than that? Mm. That's your choice. Or do you want to wait a year or half a year? Well, half a year to a year to get something that costs the same and is 40% better with better ray tracing. That you have a 1060. Na- yeah, that are, are wait and get Navi uh, 31 slash 8102. If you're, I don't know, not opposed to getting NVIDIA, I guess. I I, I still don't know how, to, how they're going to shake out compared to one another. Again, and so this is where I think people are like, oh, well, you're saying people should buy now all of a sudden. It's like, no. Correct me if I'm wrong again. This whole time I've kept saying, now isn't the worst time to buy, but don't feel rushed. Yeah. And... You have a 1060, my dude. You might want to feel a little rushed, though. You're the person where I go, I mean, have you considered getting the 6600 for 250 and selling the 1060 <laughs> for 150 spending spending $100 to, like, double your performance and get more RAM? And then that'll let you wait a year. If not, I'll speak for myself. If I were you, I would be looking to get Navi 31 sooner rather than later if I sold a 1060. Yeah, probably. But how much did you pay for the 1060? Probably 250. All right, so five years later, something twice as good that uses less energy and can do ray tracing. It's like the 6600 isn't a lot better than what you have for what you spent a while ago. And there's been inflation, and it's the same price. So really, you're spending less. You correct for inflation. Let us move on to story number three. Pat Gelsinger reported to be fighting to save ARC where analysts call for its uh, cancellation. All right, Moore's Lawzed's leak of Intel already considering a cancellation of Discrete Gaming Arc sent shockwaves through the PC gaming 
and investor communities last month. And since then, there's actually been quite a few updates. In summary, Pat definitely does not want to cancel ARC. He said so publicly in an all-employee meeting a couple weeks ago. And at least for now, he is fighting to keep AXG going in its current form, alleviate any concerns amongst employees. Now, while that may sound reassuring, the rest of the updates Tom has gathered are not 100% good. Uh, 100%, the evaluation is underway. Intel is considering canceling ARC to this day, but the decision won't be made for a few months. And the reason they're considering it, to be clear, is because they're not sure if they can afford to keep the group afloat without it making a profit for multiple years. This cannot be made clear enough. Intel doesn't just cancel things because they feel like it. If they cancel desktop ARC discrete roadmaps, it's because they feel it would bankrupt the company and they have to. They cannot afford to just fund it for an entire decade without profits. And they see no evidence that it will profit as soon as they say it will. So outside of that, what else is there to say? Well, analysts, including in front of the show, John Petty seems to have similar information and is calling for ARC to be canceled or sold off to another company. Uh, AXG's marketing continues to be frantic, inconsistent, dishonest, and downright confusing. And there's still no evidence ARC is ready. Right now, on ARC Story, the ARC Story Intel put out that Moore's Law is leaked from a roadmap was published that still not even confirmed the specs of the A750. Despite releasing supposed benchmarks of the elusive card, I've never seen this before. People release 50 benchmarks with no specs. This is mm-hmm. insane. Um, and the ARC sweepstakes winners are being offered an i7-12700K instead of an ARC card, <laughs> suggesting that the A770, if it ever comes out, will likely be $400 at most, and that it might not be ready for at least another month, or why would they be offering a processor instead, instead, instead? Which, yeah, I will directly confirm that my sources tell me A770, by the way, guys, just want to say this, is supposed to launch by the end of August. That's what they tell me. And it's funny because my contacts, they say it's supposed to launch end of August. They don't believe it themselves. But I will say that as much as a lot of this seems to be negative stuff about ARC, it's supposed to. So we'll see if there's a paper launch end of August. I said it if it happens, you know. Yeah. Uh, But I don't know, Dan, what do you... I don't. Do you have anything to say about all of these updates? I mean, they're offering Alder Lake processors instead of Art cards. We still we we're halfway into August. Quarter three is halfway over, and we still don't know the specs of the cards officially. I know them, but they haven't confirmed them. And it sounds like they may not have the money to keep funding AXG. I I mean, it seems like Arc isn't going well continually. Like, I, I mean, I I don't know what that sweepstakes things ultimately means if they're just saying i don't remember when that sweepstakes things happened really they're just saying all right let's just cut our losses and offer people all their lake at a certain point but that doesn't spell good things for arc to me and you know what i'll say with like the whole thing with if they think it's going to bankrupt the company i mean i guess that to me sounds like the company's probably in more dire straits than i would have thought but I don't know. You, you saw their earnings. A... It was it was worse than I expected. It's yeah, I mean, really not going well. You can't keep a division going forever. I don't know how big AXG is compared to the rest of the company. But I don't know. When you have a, a company where it seems like their core businesses or core or, or their core things are going pretty well right now, like their foundries seem to be progressing better than they used to be. 
uh, their core arch- I mean their CPU architecture seem to be going moderately better. <laughs> it's just I I don't know how long you can keep a comp- uh, division that's been floundering for what five years now. It, it just yeah, and and again like I can't. Th- I've been told I can't say some things, but like what I'll say is they calculated that it should profit by a certain time. Um, I don't remember exactly when there was, so I guess I could just say like, let's just say they thought they would start profiting by late Battle Mages generation. Mm-hmm. And they calculated that based on a market that was desperate for graphics cards where everything sold no matter what and where mining was exploding. And now that's not happening. That's not happening. <laughs> and arc is behind schedule so it well if we didn't think you would profit for another year or two who's to say it's going to be another five years could we know it could be another five years and they're like we'll be bankrupt so yeah and it's getting to a point where the way uh arc is working is just bizarre where they are uh, they just seem to be announcing things to try to drive and can keep driving interest like um Rialto Bridge is a weird thing that they're talking about now, despite the fact that and it's Falcon Shores. Yeah, despite the fact that its predecessor isn't even out yet. Like, at what is? Are they going to start hyping Battle Mage before the A770? I doubt out? that. Like, <laughs> they should be, but with how bad things are going, I think they're at least self-aware enough to not do stuff like that. Uh, I I, th- I bet they start hyping it early next year, though, if the decision is made not to cancel Arc. Which again, let me say, guys, decision's not made yet. Yeah, I mean. The the goodwill is gone, uh, I I think for Arc, where I think it was there up through at least quarter two of this year, and at this and that's point, where it started com- exponentially going down every week. Yeah, and, and now it's completely gone because like what what is there to say about Intel Arc aside from they seem to keep saying stuff that doesn't happen, and also every benchmark that, that that's been put out that isn't by them is really bad including from people that they've done sponsorship deals with. <laughs> yeah. It's not looking good. No. Annual Chief writes in, and he says, Hi, Tom, more art questions. What do you make of Raja's Twitter response to Anshel Sag? Or Sag? I want to say Intel can't be as blatant as doubling down when the leakers are essentially quoting reliable sources in their own roadmaps to the contrary, but why, why would Raja do something like this if cancellation is all but a done deal and make Intel look even worse in the process, Linus Tech Tips is even putting their weight behind your leak and ignoring Intel at this point. I've noticed that they just like thumbnails like stop talking Intel or something. It's like, do you suppose they just skip Alchemist and go straight to Battle Mage? So you, you asked a lot of things. Number one, it is not a done deal. It is not a done deal that Arc's canceled. So let's not count our chickens before they hatch. Um, number two, Raja did not debunk anything. All he said is we're committed to our roadmap. There'll be updates this year. Yeah. To me, that was like, we just acknowledged it is screwed. Like (laughs) if what you tweet, if people are freaking out is you tweet, it will come out August and it will be great or something. Or even if they say say that we're going to have a launch, like even acknowledging that there's going to be some type of launch event in the near future. I mean, not committing to a launch date even, just saying we have an event scheduled or something. My opinion would be more committal. My opinion is after my leaks came out and like the review the wave of reviews came out for the A three eighty that said bad things at the same time, Intel should have just been quiet for a month. Mm-hmm. And then appeared and said it's launching September. 
and then put your money where your mouth is. The, uh, the talking's got to stop. The talking can't go on for four months. This is absurd. This yeah, is turning yeah. into like a Vega rollout. Oh, who else was in charge of Vega? Well, yeah, and hopefully they have, they can come out in September with like the A750, A770 or something with drivers that reasonably work. Like, I'm not even talking about getting rid of the, uh, fixing the issues with frame variants all that much even at this point. Like, uh, like uh, uh, just get rid of the graphical glitches. Yeah, like what was uh, it? Ga- like uh, Gamers Nexus put out a video recently where they uh, looked through the drivers and they essentially found that it seems like if you change anything in the driver settings, it turns not. It, it it's not like an issue with frame variants or anything. Like you just get artifacting. Like you get your PC. They almost brick their PC multiple times just adjusting <laughs> settings in the drivers, like. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but like their computer stopped working with certain model. Uh, I mean, with a uh, certain driver updates until they like reset the BIOS on their art graphics cards, if I'm remembering correctly. And, like the only re- way they were able to figure that out is because they have a ton of monitors and they would still work with some. So like these, these are fundamental issues where the A380 like can break people's PCs seemingly. Yeah, and all I can say uh, also to Amiable Chief's question, which just let me scroll back up here and remind myself. Yeah, so no, I don't think they can just skip Alchemist with Battle Mage either. I, I think if I'm Pat, you've got to prove you can make one generation that works. Like they have to get Alchemist working because think of it, guys, the work they're putting into Alchemist is going to apply to Battle Mage. So they need to get their driver team down. They need to get it all launched by the end of quarter three. If new silicon is required to make it work perfectly, do that refresh early next year. And I think what we're going to see is in around November, I think Pat's going to be sitting there and going, okay, are the drivers good? If you need a refresh, does the refresh engineering samples, are they working better? And is Battle Mage on track? If all three of those things aren't yeses, I think there's, if only one of them is a yes, maybe they got half of the program. If all three of them are no's, I think yeah. that's where he goes, we can't afford to do this anymore. Again, guys, though, that doesn't mean they get rid of AXG. That doesn't mean they get rid of Raja. That doesn't mean they get rid of the data center line or any of that stuff. Um, which I think, actually, there was a question regarding what I just said, so let me skip to that now. Lorez Gamer writes in, presumably in 480p, and he says, for the Intel AXG uh, group, even if they don't cancel the project or disband the team, there has to be a change in leadership. How do you see such a transition playing out? Who are the most likely suspects to be axed or candidates to take over? And any thoughts on how AXG organization gets so out of context that came to this? Well, the first answer is, I don't know. But from what I hear, Raja was just promoted. He's not going to get fired. So let's just leave that at that. I don't know who's going to be whatever. I don't work there. I don't know the hundreds of people that are part of this team, right? Mm -hmm. That's number one. But number two, how did this get out of control? Guys, I think they just tried to do too much. Like, think of... This is something I talked about with John Petty and some other people that have come on the podcast recently where I'm like, think about when I worked at General Motors, um, I would go, oh, I need to know what engineer is working on this part of that seat. Well, he works here. Let me go walk over and talk to him. And then the next time we had a similar issue to walk over to the same guy. This is a new team. AMD and NVIDIA have had a machine operating gen over gen for decades. Mm -hmm. This is, it's not that Intel doesn't have the money. It's not even that they don't have the engineers. They probably do. The problem is this is their first attempt in trying to do multiple dies. I think it was a mistake. 
I think they should have made one 128-bit die. I think Battlemage should have made one 192-bit die. And I think Celestial is when they should have tried to do multiple configurations. Yeah, because, I mean, when you have a when you have a company like AMD or NVIDIA, which, I mean, what, NVIDIA is 20-something years old now at this point, right? Um, and Oh, I think they're older than that. Yeah, they're like, okay. they're from the 90s or before, Dan. Okay, so that's 20-something years old. They're and older I, than 20 years. And then uh, <laughs> I don't. And then uh, when you have a Radeon, which used to be ATI, so that's been around for decades too. Yeah. When you have a thing where like even a leadership role is replaced, like well, you have all these cogs that are, are that know working. what that leader does. That... Yeah. Here, when you have a team of once again, I, I don't know how big AXG is. I'm assuming it's. At least hundreds of people. I, I mean, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I haven't I, looked it up recently. I wouldn't be surprised. Like Intel's a massive company. I wouldn't be surprised if that was in the thousands. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have like, 121,000 when, when you're assembling a team from whole cloth, like they, they're having these huge, these huge acquis- acquiring these huge talents, like from just a couple of years ago to like at the earliest, what, five? It's it wasn't it, like it's, storming, norming, performing when you form a group right now they're getting out of the storming they haven't even normalized a cycle yet yeah well they uh, i mean they've this had is technically the second one but they've had one cycle but but it's <laughs> so like far, but, uh, it was barely a full cycle though. Yeah. and you know it yeah and they've worked on integrated graphics a little bit before so i don't know but yeah it, it's just they don't have the team with it's just guys it's a new team they don't know each other's names they don't they like Oh, we didn't know the PCIe could have this hardware bug. Who's in charge of that? Mm-hmm. Like to expect to be able to make a lineup that's a multiple dies that competes in the high end. Even their second try was stupid. They again, they had the beta gen should have done one die, one die, and then try all of it. The thing I'm consistently told, and this was something I was warned a year ago from one of my best sources. I won't say his name, but you you know this guy is Dan. He goes, I just don't know, Tom. I don't know how Intel is going to deal with not being the best. <laughs> because they can't not do it. And I think if they would have just accepted they're not the best, they could have been fine with Alchemist and had mm-hmm. a smaller scope. And maybe they'll realize that now and Battle Mage will come out because they will reduce the scope of what it tries to do. But that's what's going to be required. They need to pray mm-hmm. they can compete with the 4060 with Alchemist. I mean, with Battle Mage. And then they need to pray they can compete with the 5060 with Celestial and then go for the, you know, 6080. Yeah. Um, Timo writes in, he says, Hi, Tom. Regarding Pat Gelsinger's latest statements and Tom's hardware, are these driver software decision blunders believable? Like, they use, uh, they said that they used integrated graphics driver packages for the discrete cards that caused horrible issues, and so they were forced to just write them from scratch last minute. That seems like an amateur mistake and a weird excuse, but if so, these two could be salvaged, right? Um, I'm not disputing that could have happened. Um... I, I really have nothing to say except that they've had years to make this, whether it's a hardware bug or not. I think it's partially a hardware bug. They've proven that after three years, they can't make it work. Yeah. What else do you want me to say? You know, um, if you're Pat and you had all the money in the world, which Intel used to, but they don't anymore, they would say, well, maybe third time will be the charm, you know, the charm with Battle Mage, you know, maybe you learned. But if there's any doubt, Battle Mage won't be third times the charm. They're like, well, we'll go bankrupt if it's not, so we can't do this anymore. Um, I don't know whatever man writes out in again. And he says, hello, Tom and Dan. Tom, last week you and John Petty discussed the possibility 
of Intel selling off the AXG division to someone like Dell or HP. My question, based on that discussion, is why would anybody want a graphics division this rogue? When I was watching and reading about the unapproved press tour that Kadori, Peterson, and Shrout went on on Twitter and YouTube, I can't help but think that there are, these are the moves of someone trying to save themselves by setting up Intel's higher management for a round of bad PR if they are axed off the division and not let it continue to chase the dream, serve the gamers, and kill the competition, so to speak. So what I will say is it was kind of a last-minute thing for when the sounds of it, and they were like, well, we got to do something this month. Mm-hmm. Um, are they setting it up so that they get a bunch of press out there and people get sad if they try to kill it? I don't know. It is an interesting idea. The only reason I... And I do... Um, acknowledge this could be true because this is something that happens in companies all the time. One person goes out there and starts making a big deal mm-hmm. about something so the board has to pay attention. Mm-hmm. It's possible, don't you think? I, I mean, yeah, that's a possibility. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. As for the, uh, another team acquiring them, I, I do think that's... I, I guess I just don't know who would want to acquire AXG or what they would acquire them for. I mean, I guess I don't know what you, uh, you and John Petty talked about there, but he talked about, frankly, the people he suggested were like people like Dell or HP to try to use it to make their own small accelerators or something. Oh, OK. That makes but sense, I guess. I guess. I don't really see that happening, though. I, I, I don't see Dell you. developing their and If own... I'm wrong, I'll be wrong. But it's just my gut goes, eh, let's see that. I, I would be surprised if Dell started developing their own graphics cards or something, I guess. I mean... But... Uh, Technically, they used to, but yeah, I, I don't know. And it, according to him, it will definitely not be Apple, which would have been the one I would have mm. expected the most, especially because I think Raj used to work at Apple, too. So I don't know. Um, I, I think they would be most likely to just cut the brand in half and then maybe come back swinging hard eventually after not going out of business. Yeah, I mean, the only other one is a thing I could think of is just one of those like server companies that nobody that actually pays attention to like desktop actually a- a- actually is aware of like uh or maybe arm like epic or epic but they're yeah, i don't think they're i don't know if they're big enough to buy them i don't know um well let us move on to some more intel news here story number four inter intel meteor lake reportedly delayed until the end of 2023 of knock-on effects for tsmc all right this is something i've been talking about for a while that meteor lake's coming out later um, but so now other people are reporting on it and I'm quoting from tech power up based on a report from TrendForce, Intel has yet again had to push back its upcoming meteor lake CPUs. And it now appears that Intel will only be launching mm-hmm. meteor lake towards the end of 2023. It's unclear why there has been another delay, but Intel, but Intel is said to have canceled most of its orders with TSMC for the three nanometer GPU that Intel will be that would have made for 2023. The knock-on effect of this then is that TSMC is said to be slowing down its production line expansion towards three nanometer, as the company is now unsure if it'll be able to fill its orders, uh, its order books for 2023. TSMC's main customer for three nanometer node is still going to be Apple then. But with the loss of what is likely to be around six months worth of production from Intel, TSMC is said to be considering cutting its CapEx for 2023. TSMC's other customers, such as AMD, MediaTek, and Qualcomm, say they aren't planning to move into 3 nanometer until 2024 for the most part. So unless there's a change in plans from either of these companies, there could be, I would actually say, 
or increased demand from Apple, TSMC is said to hit the brakes when it comes to starting a new cutting-edge production lines next year. TSMC is also likely to see reduced revenue during 2023 due to Intel's change of plans, although it's too early to make any assumptions. Trendforce also suggests that Intel might still use TSMC's 3 nanometer node as a backup plan if Intel would fail to execute on moving to the Intel 4 process by then. But considering how complex it is to move a design between different foundry processes, that seems unlikely. And also there's rumors coming out right now that Apple is possibly porting one of their designs to 3 nanometer <laughs> to make use of this. Mm-hmm. So I, do you have any thoughts on this, Dan? The thing I would be most concerned about, because like with Intel, with uh, Meteor Lake coming out at the end of 2023, like just from a release timeline, that doesn't seem that off to me if uh, Raptor Lake isn't going to be coming out until what, probably early next year? Like when would, else would it come out? I mean, Meteor Lake would then have to come out, what, like three, four months after uh, Raptor Lake or something crazy like that? Which isn't it? What, three, four months after Raptor Lake? Yeah. No, late 2023. No, I'm saying if it wasn't pushed to like late 2023. I mean... Th- that was the plan, yeah. I mean, if you'll remember, mobile Meteor Lake was supposed to launch first half of next year. So not three months, but maybe six months after mobile Raptor Lake, which has happened before. And yeah. then the desktop one was supposed to be quarter three or mid next year. Now it seems like it's end of next year, like December for desktop Meteor Lake <clears> and <throat> quarter three for a laptop, meaning Phoenix just has carte blanche to raffle stomp around for half a year. The one thing I, I'm, I'm more worried about beyond just Intel faltering on deadlines again is if this will have, is the downstream effects this will have if TSMC isn't able to keep up uh, it doesn't, not isn't able to, but doesn't uh, ramp up manufacturing of 3 nanometer if this will artificially possibly create another uh, slowdown in manufacturing overall, you know Absolutely, and (laughs) honestly, the biggest thing I want to point out on this is just, I forgot how long ago it was, maybe a month ago or something, there was something going on with Pat Gelsinger flying to TSMC to discuss getting more capacity from them because they needed it. And then a month later, they pushed back Meteor Lake, supposedly. How pissed do you think TSMC is? I'm sure they're not happy. And so <laughs> all I can say is we're we're in a recession. Hopefully it doesn't last for, you know, over a year, but... This is going to be a more down year coming up now, or it's not going to be as crazy as last year. I think Mm -hmm. we can at least agree. No matter what happens with this recession, 2024 is going to be more down than 2021 was. Okay. Like, I mean, this is something TSMC is not going to forget. You know, in another market, I'm sure other people would have bought this up, but this was, they moved some stuff around for Intel. And now it's in a down year. Next time Intel comes in and says, hey, we need to make Celestial on two nanometer, they might be like, yeah, get bent. Yeah, like, I mean, go to so, go to your own foundry. You guys completely fucked us. Yeah, and you know it seems like Apple is always able to utilize their newest nodes. So hopefully they can move. Apple can move some of something onto TSMC three nanometer. But I would also remind people that Zen five is on three and four nanometer, but it's yeah. on AMD's roadmap officially, guys. So as much as Zen 5 seems to be an early 2024 thing now, they were trying to get it out late 2023. And 
NVIDIA's moved designs to a different node in under a year and launched it with Maxwell, which again, John Petty says the mo- and Daniel Nenny say that's the most insane thing they've ever seen actually pulled off, is <laughs> porting an entire architecture from 20 to 28 nanometer in under a year and launching it with drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, who is to say if RDNA 3 doesn't blow NVIDIA away, but, you know, and then NVIDIA's like, ah, crap, RDNA 4 is going to be even better. Uh, we need to get Blackwell out with as many advantages as possible. You know, that's something NVIDIA will be thinking about with TSMC's 3 nanometer. Mm -hmm. It's something AMD will be thinking about with 3 nanometer for Zen 5. What I'm saying is the reason NVIDIA might not be planning to use TSMC's 3 nanometer right away, the reason AMD is making Zen 5 for both 3 and uh, 4 nanometer is because they're not sure it'll be ready before the end of next year. But this decision could be made 12 months out if they rushed. So I'd say they have like another quarter to decide if they want to port things or go with three nanometer designs they have. And for all we know, in four months, we'll hear TSMC's three nanometer is back on track and ahead of schedule again. And then you could see NVIDIA and AMD jump in and say, we're going to use it for Blackwell and Zen 5. But that's the only yeah. thing I'd throw out there. And, and they're not giving it back to Intel if that happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, which if that happens, no backup node for Intel 4. Hope it goes on track, Intel. Uh, J. Maddie, Ice, and Chunky both write in. I combine their questions. He says, hi, Dom and Tan. That's how he said our names. Uh, First of all, thank you for the AMD release roundup. Have you leaked an approximate release date for Zen 4 Mobile? If not, can you now? Also, have you heard anything about AMD focusing on the supply of the laptop chips? Chunky's a new patron, so his part of it, I think he started actually by saying, sorry if you were to answer this. Well, we have. I mean, yeah, AMD's focusing hard on laptop supply next year compared to previous generations. And in terms of like, when will Zen 4 Mobile launch? When did Renoir launch? When did Cezanne launch? I don't think yeah. you need a source to know. Phoenix is probably going to launch CES next year, beginning of next year, you know. Maverick writes in. He says, hey, Tom and Dan, with Intel Arc again falling way behind initial and even remapped timelines, why is Intel struggling so much since basically forever to meet any real goals? 14 to 10 nanometer, for example. And while AMD makes it, their fair share of mistakes and poor messaging every now and then is able to meet or exceed nearly every goal and expectation since then one and hit most target dates without promised windows pretty much every time. Thanks in advance. P.S. It seems like Intel's perpetually doing what Steve from Gamers Nexus made an entire video on. And he puts this in quotes. Intel won't stop talking about AMD new Tiger Lakes. Yeah, I remember that when he was just like, it seems like Intel's business is talking about how things they'll have in three years will beat what AMD has now. Yeah. Which I agree with Steve on that. Um, I think we've talked about it enough, frankly. I mean, it's execution, it's management, and it's trying to do too much. You know, think about what it takes to make a product like Navi 31 with sev- with two different types of dies on two different nodes. It's only that's it, and then they 3D stack some cash. Like they had to execute on Epic multiple times with multiple types of dies on nodes before they got everything down where they're sure they could be confident they could do this on time. Yeah. Intel's like Pond of Vecchio, 47, three different nodes, 47 chips, three <laughs> different nodes. Are you fucking nuts? 47, you, 47 chips, three different nodes, zero lease. Yeah, like we've never, it's like, what is it? I saw someone in the Moore's Law said Discord, I think say, it's like their swimming practices jumping in the Atlantic Ocean during a thunderstorm. <laughs> Whereas AMD went from a swimming pool to a river to a lake to an ocean. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what it is. Intel thought they could do everything at once because they thought they would always have unlimited mm-hmm. money and they don't, it turns out. QH Freddy writes in, he says, it seems like we're back in an I-5 is enough for gaming era once again. 
with even the i3s posting good performance in gaming right now, do you think the current ones will age better than the four core, four thread ones of the last decade? Will it be as dramatic as how quickly those became inadequate? Well, the i5s lasted a very long time at first. You know, it's a moving target. Sandy Bridge, Ivy Bridge. Um, I would even say Broadwell. Well, nah, Haswell's when it started to show its age. And before, and remember, it didn't even start with Sandy Bridge. There was Halem, you know, right, with the quad-core yeah. i5s. So we're talking about, like, five years of the quad-core i5 dominance before Haswell was getting, you know, curb stomped by Battlefield 4 multiplayer. <laughs> <laughs> so do I think these i5s will age well? It's hard to say. The only thing... I, I, because what they're, I keep, there's six cores right now, right? Or six big cores, right? Six big cores, four little cores for the K, six cores, no little cores for the non K, and Raptor Lake should be six plus four for everything, six plus eight for the K. I, I, I think, um, you know, I think six cores, six cores with hyper threading, I think will work well for a long time. I guess I'm not sure if that will eventually be an issue where you'll, really want to have 16 threads in the next couple years because I don't know, maybe that could be an issue like two, three years down the line uh, where I think like I think right now i5s are certainly enough for gaming, but if you can get an i7, I think I would find that preferable. Yeah, and it's just the only thing that makes me wonder at all if these i5s will last as long as before, which again, they didn't last forever. It was like, if you go from the Halem specifically and Sandy Bridge, I mean, where do you want to do the starting point? I'd say they lasted about four to five years. Yeah. They didn't last like six years from even Sandy Bridge to where some games like, again, Battlefield multiplayer were making it really hard on them. Um, the only thing that makes me pause is it's starting to make the rounds now that the battle, uh, not the uh, Spider-Man remastered on PC runs really well. Really good porting job by Nixus that Sony bought just for porting their games to <laughs> PC. So it looks like that was worth buying that studio. Um, but it has a, a ton of CPU users. The 5800X 3D is at 100% usage while playing mm. it. But you can still play 4K 100, but it's like chugging. And the reason is, is it streams in data like on PS5. Not as much, but it still uses it. And it's constantly swapping data in and out, loading up the cores. It's the only thing I'd worry about. Yeah. With the i5, do I think it's going to last as long? Probably, but remember, as long was like three to five years, not seven or something, <laughs> you know, because I think by the end of this console gen, it's you're going to want something stronger. But remember, when, no matter the amount of cores, I'd say as long as you have eight threads, it's about performance. The current Alder Lake i3s outperform the 8700K despite having four less threads. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. So if Intel were to launch a 10 gigahertz quad core with eight threads next year, I would say it's probably going to outperform that Alder Lake <laughs> i5 for a for long time. It's not going to be like, oh, we can't run on only eight threads because it's a, it's a 10 gigahertz. Yeah, it can. It's just so IPC clock speeds, that changes the balance, but it is a moving target too. You can see my dog Reesey here has a schedule that's almost as busy as mine when we're at the office during a work day. And because of this, we're both always looking for an efficient lunch that we can make quickly that's also very healthy. And we've solved the problem with Vite Ramen, who's a sponsor of this piece of content. Vite Ramen is an eager American company that's crafted a protein and nutrient dense meal that takes minutes to make without sacrificing taste. This includes their classic packages that make it easy to add protein and other ingredients of your choice while 
cooking or their new ramen go packages that offer a healthy microwavable option for those who truly only have a 15 minute lunch break click on the link in the description and use the offer code broken silicon to save 10 percent on a variety of different products including special bundles for moore's laws dead fans raw nudes if you want to make up your own recipe vite go packages and other food products and cooking utensils and more whatever you prefer using these offer codes helps support this channel tremendously and it gets you a good deal for a healthy fast and tasty reliable sponsor of moore's laws dead try vite ramen today let us move on then to let me put down the timestamp to story number five ryzen threadripper pro 5995wx release to do it yourself and reviewed and i've got quite a write-up here uh from both tech power up and then i will go into the tech spot review from steve at hardware unboxed tech power up says the 5000 series processors have been available since march in lenovo systems However, today the do-it-yourself channel is equipped with these monstrous CPUs as well. With up to 64 cores, 128 threads, Zen 3 architecture finally in the do-it-yourself market for Threadripper, these processors can boost up to 4.5 gigahertz and have 128 PCIe 4.0 lanes and 8-channel DDR4 integrated memory controller with a 280-watt TDP across all models. The top-end Threadripper Pro 5995WX is a monstrous 64-core the base frequency of 2.7 gigahertz boosted to 4.5 gigahertz, 256 megabytes of L3 cache, but it costs a staggering $6,500. Additionally, all new Ryzen Threadripper Pro 5000 series CPUs do require a WRX80 base motherboard chipset, and many of them are now getting updates in the BIOS to support overclocking for the do-it-yourself market. From Steve at Hardware Unboxed, he says, The Threadripper Pro 595WX is an impressive processor. And although for the majority of our testing, it wasn't a great deal faster than the 399DX, it can be around 30% faster depending on the workload. However, even that percentage 30% gain on average can be fairly meaningless in a workstation setting. So here's what actually happened to ours. The Threadripper 3000 Zen 2, Zen 2 series processors we used to be using at Hardware Unboxed were previously using, had no issues with 4K 60 footage. When we upgraded to a GH6, we wanted to start working with 5.7K 60 footage that we would edit down into 4K, and this proved troublesome for the Zen 2 Threadrippers. In short, the 5995WX's <laughs> name is a game changer for our workflow. As such, it's difficult to put it into context of percentage gains. It's not just faster, it's wildly more practical. Like he said, there are some situations where it went from chugging to just editing thousands of things at once. No, oh, so, yeah, and I think any, anyone can relate to that to an extent, not even if they're working with these workloads, but like... Most you, of the time you won't, though, but sometimes you will. Or when you... Or, I mean, like, even just having a computer that's, like, a little bit deficient in RAM or core count, sometimes, like, it goes from working perfectly fine to just chugging along and taking you know two minutes to open a file or some shit like that yeah and so because this helped him so much he says we'd say we could easily justify spending three thousand three hundred dollars on like a 5975 wx plus everything else you need to build the workstation pc as it would pay itself off both in terms of productivity and just mental health on that note it's difficult to give something like the 5995 wx a value rating if it can do for you what it can do for us, then it's invaluable and will pay for itself. It's a workstation product designed for professionals with no real competition from Intel. It's your best option. 
We're happy AMD is giving customers the chance to build their own workstation PCs with this and not forcing them to buy a mediocre OEM system now. So that in and of itself is a win. We look forward to putting it, the Threadripper Pro 5995WX through its paces over the coming months and years. And we hope we can take a look at the 5975WX soon as well and get a feel for if that model is better suited to our use cases. And so I thought this was interesting because to me, this kind of seems like AMD is launching this in case Intel launches Sapphire Rapids or Fishhawk Falls <laughs> HEDT systems this year, which I haven't been told they're canceled, but why am I not hearing more about them, Intel? And I can't confirm if the bugs that are rumored to be in Sapphire Rapids also apply to the 24-core monolithic Fishhawk Falls, but they some of them probably do. Well, that, and just like they say, there's really nothing on the market that occupies this niche right now. So why not capitalize off it and sell a processor for $6,500? Right. And it's $6,500 for the 64-core. It says $3,300 for the, was that the 24 or 32-core? I, I forgot which one it was. There's nothing stopping them from then launching like a $1,500 24 core if they need to an undercutting fishhawk falls and that's what i think they've set themselves up for is if they need to they can drop a 24 or 16 core for this workstation and basically be it and, the, and you know what they could drop it with a version a couple v cache versions as well if they wanted to well yeah and just that 24 core though just with that the that io you can get with that that's <laughs> still unparalleled and what it's eight channel right yeah, which um, I think Fishhawk Falls is four channel and it's PCIe 5.0, I think 64 PCIe lanes, but this is 128 to 4.0, double the memory channels, mm -hmm. way more capacity for RAM. No one's buying Fishhawk Falls for the single core performance, so who cares if it were going to beat uh, Zen 3 by like 10, 20%. And keep in mind that Intel is not as efficient at high threaded workloads. So, yeah. There's a chance that 24 core would use 280 watts, just like this uses 280 watts. And in mid-threaded workloads, it might not even be much better than the Zen 3 one. Because mm -hmm. it boosts high. The, the all core might actually boost higher. I, we, I know. I know, guys. Autolay can boost eight cores above five gigahertz. Guess what? Can it boost 24 cores above five gigahertz at the same time without using 500 watts? I'm skeptical. Probably. There'd be a downfall <laughs> of a monolithic design, whereas AMD can go, all 24 cores of our, whatever it would be called, like 5965X, I think, all 24 of them, they're all hitting, you know, like 4 gigahertz or something, whereas mm -hmm. yours struggling to hit 24 at 4 gigahertz. So, yeah, I think this was a preemptive launch from AMD. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say about it, though. No. All right. Let us then move on to story number six, preliminary specs and pricing for Zen 4 leaked. WCCF Tech recently reported that they had received confirmation from their own sources as the following initial SKUs for Zen 4 Raphael's release. According to WCCF Tech, they say the 7950X from Zen 4 will be 16 cores, boost to 5.7 gigahertz, and cost $800 or more, that the 7900X will be 12 cores, 5.6 gigahertz boost, $600 or more, and that the 7700X will be 8 cores, 5.4 gigahertz, $300, the 7600X, six cores, 5.3 gigahertz, 230 or higher in pricing. They also claim that you can't overclock the Ryzen 7000 SKUs from this source, which this writer thinks is odd considering AMD's own motherboard partners are already advertising extreme overclocking on the motherboards. That just applies to RAM. That would be bizarre. But what else can this writer confirm about this? Well, I already know, and Angstronomics has also leaked 
that there are 5.8 gigahertz Zen 4 engineering samples out there. Two people, me and him saying this. So I, I don't know if they can get that in a final SKU, but I do know they have hit that in the labs. Also, I have sent this list from WCCF Tech to a couple of sources. And what they told me, and again, AMD contacts rarely tell me everything. Like mm -hmm. They said it's close, but there's some differences. So, and also I was told that AMD had not decided final clock speeds or pricing as of the time of this article, that the way they market it might change. Remember with Zen 2, I think they advertised up to 4.7 gigahertz. It almost never hit it. And so they felt bad. Zen 3 actually does hit 5 gigahertz sometimes, but they advertised it at 4.9 to play it safe. So AMD isn't quite sure what they're going to claim yet. There's a chance they may advertise 5.8, I mean 5.7, and actually hits 5.9 sometimes. And there's a chance that they might just say, no, it's 5.8 or 5.9 or something. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say that I wouldn't take these numbers to the bank, but I do think they're close enough, and I have been told they're somewhat close, that I think we can start talking about this, though. Like, what do you think? I mean, we've been saying if AMD the, wants to, they can make the 7700X eight cores and 300 bucks. And that will compete with the i5, I think. It's interesting. If this is all correct, it seems like they're kind of taking a diverging strategy a little bit from their old stuff where the 7950X launched for 750, correct? Am I misremembering that? The 5950X? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, it launched for 800. It did? Okay. Zen 2 was 750. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So, actually, never mind. This is all around, I guess, kind of good. They're not getting too crazy where a bunch of people were pissed off when the, uh, or some people were pissed off with uh, Zen 3, it seemed like, because they pretty much across the board really upped prices by $50. And, you know, at the mid-range, I don't think they can really do that again or keep with that status quo with how well all their likes performed. But I guess their bet is still... Well, if you want 16 cores, this is what you have. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I would, I do find the higher pricing at the top end there a little higher than I would have expected. The pricing for the eight and the six core seems yeah. totally realistic to me. I feel like, though, charging twice as much for four more cores, it just seems like they would go for 500 bucks to me. Hmm. It seems odd yeah, that they would charge it, 600. It, and, for the 7950X, I would I would imagine they might charge 700 then, you know, 50% more or 40% more for, what is that, 33% more cores, and then leave the $800 spot for the 7950X3D that I know is coming out probably within six months. Yeah, and, you know, hopefully these prices are a bit off and that's what ends up happening because, you're right, it, it is a bit weird pulling the prices of the 8-core down, although I guess they're calling it the 7700X this time, which... I, my my bet is the 7800X will be the 3D cache version of it. But but if this is what it ends up being, you know Intel, they, we all know what Raptor Lake is going to be. I think this is AMD. If they do this, it's because they think the Raptor Lake i5 with six big cores and eight little cores, they think that'll be like 350. And so they're like, whatever, we can afford to charge a little less for a little less multi-threading, same single threading. Yeah. And then if the 7900X is 12 cores, to me, that tells me they expect the Raptor Lake i7, which is basically going to be the current mm -hmm. <laughs> i9 plus 15% performance. They think, well, this is going to beat Alder Lake, so this is going to tie whatever their i... This, they, they think it'll beat the i7 then or something. Like yeah. they can charge six hundred, I think. So I don't think Intel's charging six hundred bucks for that i seven. I think 
450 to 500 and they would not charge 600 unless they just thought this was better yeah. there's there's something we don't know then if they actually charge that much in my opinion because it there's no reason for them to charge twice as much as the eight core they don't need to it doesn't cost that much more to make unless they're just saying unless they know it's gonna win yeah and they're just saying hey we know we can charge 600 dollars, so you're not getting twice as many cores for twice as much money but um uh, buy it <laughs> anyways i guess uh, so yeah i guess let me say this again this is close I actually think some of the boost clocks could be a little higher. I've heard a couple of them on one model might be a little lower, but I wouldn't be surprised if actually this boosts a little higher than what WCCF Tech says. But this pricing, if this is what ends up happening, this is the pricing of AMD knowing they're going to win. Yeah. This is the pricing of AMD saying we're 800 because your i9 is 10% weaker. We're 600 because your i7 is 20% weaker. And we price the 7700X and 7600X incredibly aggressively because we need to to beat the i5. Yeah. And they're leaving an exact... In between point of 450 for something. I wonder what it is. Maybe a 7800X3D. The exact same price as the 5800X3D. I mean, that's what you're seeing here. Yeah. All right. CW writes in, Hi, Tom and Dan. You both have discussed purchasing used RTX series for prices such as the RTX 3080 or 500, and I agree wholeheartedly. However, do you have any advice for pricing or recommendations for AM4 Zen 3 or Zen 3D CPUs? In your opinion... What would be the next upgrade for 120 hertz gaming Zen 2 owners for the best value? Um, I mean, the prices are going down precipitously right now for Zen 3. I don't know if you guys have seen, but uh, the 5950X has been 400 to 450 recently. <laughs> and so I... the 12 core Zen 4 is going to be better than that, though. So I think $400. And so that's about the price of a Raptor Lake i7. I think I'd want 350. 350 for the Zen 316 core and yeah. 300 at most for the 5800X30. Look, if you bought a 5800X30, it's one of the best CPUs for gaming on the market. Zen 4 wasn't out yet. But in a world where Zen 4 is out, I don't think the 5800X30 is going to be better than the 7700X. No. I think it's going to be comparable. There will be some games where they massively favor the Vcash. Sure. But there will also be game. There there are games where the 5800X3D is only have like five ten percent better than yeah, the 5800X. But, so, but by the time the Sony 700 is out, if you're getting going to be looking for like Zen 3 CPUs, I think you would want to get the like in a few months the 5800X3D might be more like a I don't know 250 dollar CPU or something like that. And, and right, so that's or what I, you should. That's what you should want to pay for it. Is what I mean. I guess I don't know what it will be on Amazon, but <laughs> and, and so I would say the. 5950X is a tricky one because it's going to, of course, beat the fifty mm-hmm. the 7700X in multi-threading. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it actually lacks AVX 512. Eh. It also will lose in single-threading by probably 20, 30, 20 to 30%. So, no, I mean, I think the 5950X, 400 or less, and you better want the multi-threading for some reason. <laughs> and the 5800X3D, think of it as a 7700X that's not as efficient, probably, and uh, doesn't use the newer platform. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that's good for you, though. Okay, but it's still, like, worse. Like, I would still say you would want to pay less than the 7700X for a 5800X3D. Yeah. Spamthem Neo writes in, and he says, for a hypothetical 7950X3D, would it make sense if they had one 3D chiplet and one standard chiplet? 
you get the benefit of the 3D V-Cast shiftlet without losing multi-threading performance. Okay, so I actually like this question here because I reached out to someone at AMD <laughs> about this. <laughs> like this is, I do this, guys. I see these questions ahead of time and I'm like, maybe the day before we record, I like send a couple of people at AMD, Intel, or NVIDIA. And I'm like, this, this makes sense. And we actually talked it out. So the short answer is, well, yeah, AMD could do this. Windows 10, Windows 11 especially, can schedule Alder Lake between big little cores and the second thread on a big core. So, mm-hmm. uh, of course, if they want to, they could delineate between the Vcash core and the non-Vcash core. However, why do that is what we came to the conclusion of. Why? What? Why hire tons of people to write these drivers to work on this when instead... You can charge an extra 50 bucks or $100 to have them all V cash. What are you really saving? You're basically getting uh, <laughs> two eight cores or something. I, I I mean, I don't know how to answer that. Just, uh, yeah, AMD would probably prefer to just charge you 50 more bucks, though. <laughs> I mean, it's like you're asking, because this is going to be a Halo product. Yeah. So the people who want it is like, well, what's the question? Is it going to be like we're going to have like a $900 all V-cash and an $800 half V-cash? Who's the person that says, I only want half V-cash? No, AMD is just going to be like, just we're not going to we're going to make this a more elegant solution where there's zero chance it's scheduled wrong. And we don't have to spend money programming that. And then we're just going to charge an extra 50 bucks or something like that's yeah. what I think they do. Um. Okay, well, that's all of the stories. Then let us get into the final wrap-up. These are the stories that didn't deserve getting their own story, but they uh, definitely deserve a mention. So let me see here. Where do I even start with these? There's a couple interesting ones. Let me see. Where is this one? Yeah, so... Someone got a hold of an RTX 2000 series card that was branded GTX 2080, <laughs> suggesting that at least at first NVIDIA was considering calling it the GTX 2000 uh, series, hmm. which I guess there's always been rumors of that, but I don't remember those rumors. Of course, when Turing came out, that would have been before or right when I was starting Moore's Law Instead, so I, I may have not paid as much attention back then. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess this is like a these companies need to revamp their branding every, I don't know, half, half decade to decade. Is, and they're like, well, we need the RTX. <laughs> need that ray tracing, baby. I want yeah, that ray tracing. It doesn't surprise me that they, that the early models would have started out as GTX. And then someone said, well, what if we update the branding again? Because what, before GTX, it was just GT, correct? Uh, yes. So, and G, they, I think they delineated GT, GTX. Now they just delineate GTX, RTX. Yeah. Um, I will also say this. Keep in mind, this looks to be an early test prototype for the 2080. Mm-hmm. Well, this isn't like software. It takes months to call up suppliers, make a mold, make a prototype. I yeah, think it's entirely cool. conceivable. And NVIDIA was working on this, ordered the prototype. By the time they ordered the prototype, they already knew it was going to be called RTX. But why tell them so it leaks out? Yeah. You know, that was kind of a big surprise. You know, so I think it's entirely conceivable as well. In the contract, they were just like, hey, we uh, can you make it so that we could change what's on the side of the card in words if we needed <laughs> to last minute? And they're like, 
yeah, sure. We'll just charge you an extra, like, you know, whatever amount of money. And you can change the typeface to whatever you want on any card. Yeah, because we might need that to have a G-Force card and a Titan. <laughs> but make sure each letter on the typeface can be changed. <laughs> and then they're like, ah, surprise, it's RTX. We just didn't want it to leak. Mm -hmm. This type of stuff happens all the time, like that engineering sample for a 4090 Ti. I mean, maybe they have another cooler in design, but all the test samples being sent out right now use the old design because they don't want it to leak out again, you know? So th that's the only thing I would say there. This doesn't necessarily prove it, though, I guess is all I'm saying. Let me see here. Igor confirms a 2023 launch date for Sapphire Rapids. I really don't have anything to say about that. I've been talking about it for a while now. Hey, Dan, you can get a liquid cooling water block block for the a380 if you want to overclock your a380 to 92 watts and still have a fan cooler that could probably cool that anyways but yeah whatever intel <laughs> unveiled their professional graphics card for workstation dan oh with do they even say uh they, they basically gave you the specs uh with no information on launch date oh well, that's uh pretty usable then and i'm excited to get that tom I know it's just <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it's like when uh, I will say this guys from what I'm hearing the briefing for high-end professional cards for Alchemist is supposed to happen within a week a month for someone like contacts and uh I mean as far as I know they don't think professional Alchemist actually comes out at least with the high-end models till early next year so I don't know why they showed this off it's not ready mm-hmm um, what else do we have here in the wrap-up? Raptor Lake gets deleted. Look at that, Dan. Still like smaller a... than Rocket Lake. Rocket Lake was a big boy, Tom. Yeah. Big boy that did nothing well. Yep. Well, he used a lot of energy successfully. Um, and then we have Qualcomm and Global Foundries, Foundries sign an agreement to double chip manufacturing in the U.S. I just think this is worth reporting on how many... Companies are moving their stuff over to the U.S. for manufacturing. Got to chase those subsidies. Got to chase those subsidies, baby. <laughs> and, you know, there's the worry of, like, a world war in the Southeast Asia. So um, maybe that's <laughs> that could cause some problems for them. Um, so I don't know what this is about here. Yeah. So Intel started talking about the support for multi-GPU, like Crossfire and SLI for Alchemist. I don't know. I don't know. I would hate to see what the frame pacing is for Alchemist. Raja, don't. Don't do this. Don't do what you did with the 480, where you're like, four, eight, four, four, three 480s beat a 1080. Don't come out and say three <laughs> A70s beat a 4090. Like, if you get four A770s, you can beat a 4090. Don't do it. And your frame times will... You'll jump between 16 frames per second and 180 frames per second. It'll be great. Yeah, and you'll need to buy a Threadripper motherboard just to support it. <laughs> just, it's time to stop. Just just stop. That's not going to save it. And, uh, oh yeah, we've already talked about this one as well. All right, so yeah, that's the wrap-up. Let us get into the final reader mail. Timo writes in, and he says, Hi, Tom, and possibly Dan. Well, definitely Dan. A um, lot of Intel news these past couple weeks, but one aspect is missing for me. Was Intel's crypto ASIC ventures successful or not? They launched at least one Bitcoin ASIC chip earlier this year. 
So far, Bitcoin mining isn't dead either and has no signs of being dead. So someone might buy those. Is this a competitive chip? So this is something I actually looked into when I saw mm. this. Intel has a block scale, ISIC as they call it. How does it? I, I, I know nothing about them. How, how do they compare to uh, Bitmain, I guess? They seem to have launched on time earlier this year, uh, like a couple months ago, and they seem to be better. Well, and I would bet that Intel had the added advantage over Bitmain that it's not a half a scam. So, <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm saying I, I doubt Intel would be a half scam like Bitmain is where Bitmain just sells off their old crap that they're no longer using to people. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they do that anymore. But Maybe they don't. It was a well-known thing that if you get a Bitmain ASIC in the early days, it's just going to be covered in dust and was mining. They use the newest chips to mine for like six to 12 months, and then they start developing the next one and using those to mine to make money off of it. And then yeah, and then they sell their old ones off. Which they say is long-term stability testing is what they're doing. Hmm. They're long-term stability testing and making tr uh, billions of dollars in the meantime by doing it. Yeah, and, and, and there were worse ones, though. I forgot, was it Butterfly Labs, I think, was a crazy notorious for sending you half-working Dusty cards that they developed. Oh, I don't remember them so at the, all. And maybe Bit Theory. There's worse ones than Bitmain. <laughs> but yeah, my understanding is, uh, Timo, these Intel mining ASICs for Bitcoin, they, they, they work. They came out on time. Not much to say. Uh, but they only seem to have sold them directly to some big firms. Like, I don't mm -hmm. think you can buy them on the market. I don't know whatever man writes in again. He says, hola, Thomas and Daniel. As someone who knows nothing about mining crypto, I wanted to ask you guys, how decent might Alchemist cards be for mining? In my opinion, Alchemist GPUs could wind up being the best cards to get for someone who wants a few cards to start up his own rig, since it is undesirable by both gamers and creators, which will likely keep it dirt cheap until the next crypto boom. Presumably there will be one, and that will still be GPUs that do the mining, I'm assuming. And we'll see if uh, Ethereum gets to proof of stake. There's Supposedly they're, they're going to do it this year, Dan. Oh, boy. <laughs> it sounds like you don't necessarily believe it. No. <laughs> to be honest, I kind of do believe they're going to at least try to. I'll say this. I do think they're going to try to. We'll see if they're successful. And they don't just blow up their entire blockchain. But... Will so think about that though. I don't know, whatever man. If they move to proof of stake, there will be other coins you can mine, but that is going to disrupt the market a bit for what you can mine. Mm -hmm. Um, additionally, honestly, when it comes to mining, it just seems to come down to teraflops and bandwidth straight up. The, the 6800 XT has about the same amount of teraflops as a 3070 overclocked. Overclocked 3070 seems to perform like 6800 XT. Um, and yeah, because I'm trying to think of like two with bandwidth and so it's both, yeah. And I would expect the A750, or should I say A770, to be about as good as a 3070 or a 3060 Ti. But I don't see why they'd be any better. It's a similar amount of teraflops to a 3070. Yeah, it's hard to say because we don't know the official specs for anything either. So it's like, it's true. We don't even know what it's going to clock to at the end of the day. But I mean, I think there, if you overclock an Alchemist card, what we're going to find is they hit about like 23, 22 teraflops or something, mm -hmm. which is, yes, yeah, 3070 territory. So I, I don't know why we would assume it's any better at all, actually. Mm -hmm. um, TMC Payton writes and he says, Howdy, any outlook on the mining performance of RDNA 3 GPUs? The decreased bandwidth from GDR6 compensated by Infinity Cache made RDNA 2 pretty poor for mining. RDNA 3 seems to go deeper down that route. Maybe a talented programmer could better utilize Infinity Cache for mining this time. 
No, I, I think RDNA 3 I is going to be directly better at mining than RDNA 2. I mean, you might have get a situation where you have double the compute and 50% more bandwidth or something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's over double the compute and may not double gaming performance, but over yeah. double the teraflops. And guys, 50% bigger bus. And now they're supposedly going to, I think, 20 or 21 gigabit per second. Oh, yeah. So more than 50% more bandwidth. You scared me there, Sorry. Jesus. It'll probably be like 70% more bandwidth. Uh, yeah. So no, I think a 7900 XT is going to be able to do maybe 120 mega hash or more while using less energy. So I, I don't know that they, it's just a balance. It always is a balance of teraflops and bandwidth. Right, like Titan Volta. I'm trying to think what that got to uh, in bandwidth. I, I want to say it was like six, seven hundred gigabytes per second. Didn't really mine any better though than the thirty eighty, which had a ton of teraflops. So it's just gonna, yeah. Then the Radeon Seven had over double the teraflops of Vega sixty four, but it only had to my memory like forty percent, thirty thirty percent more teraflops. But it over doubled bandwidth. Mm -hmm. So it's a balance. It depends both. It seems to be mostly be about bandwidth. And this time, AMD's going with less infinity cache and more bandwidth. So will it be as good at Lovelace at mining? I doubt. But it will probably be more efficient than Ampere. So mm -hmm. uh, let me see. In Intet. Yeah, Intet writes in. He says, Do you know? Do you have any word on the physical length of the average 4090? Will we have to buy a new case because of another length increase? Or will it stay around the current high-end standard of 33 centimeters? Um, I don't think they plan to make it much longer, but I don't know. And it's not like I pulled all AIVs. Yeah. Uh, look at the power usage. The 4090 is the spiritual successor to the 3090 Ti. It's going to be about that big. You can't make a card much bigger than the 3090 Ti, so... Well, if you want to actually be able to sell it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it'll be three slots for the 4090. But I have heard, again, that I think the 4090 Ti, if it's 600 watts, it's going to be like three and a half slots. Like what I leaked. Yeah. A little more than three. Yeah. I don't know, whatever, man. Writes in again, God, you were just carpet bombing us today. Whatever, man. He says, so uh, when do you guys reckon the PS5 will finally become readily available at MSRP? Here in Europe, it's still hard to find. And it still seems to be getting price gouged. Whilst the Series X has finally stopped being overpriced everywhere and you can easily get it. I mean, look, now, I'm sorry, like I just got told the other day that at the PS5 direct sales portal, it was in stock for two hours. Mm. I don't know what to say. Now, that may have been in the US. I don't remember which region that was for, but I don't know what to say, guys. Like, most people I know that want a PS5 got one at this point. It's starting to become. I don't want to don't want to minimize the troubles some people have, but it's starting to become hard for me to believe you can't get one. Like if you were, I got two in the first month. Like a guy I know, I could have gotten one last week. It was in stock for two hours. Like a, a guy I know uh, in school, I think has gotten three PS fives at this point. Yeah, so it's not easy and this is where people go when can i walk into a best buy and get one uh who walks into best buys anymore i don't yeah. know I, I and i don't know if how much sony is even relying on that if, with uh selling these i don't think they're doing i don't know how much, much they care about selling it to best buy anymore yeah so when can you get a ps5 now just try to get it i yeah. know like i don't know what else to say 
and other things go out of stock all the time still. I mean, every I, I don't know. I think it's going to continue to get a little bit easier every week now. But if you really want one, just pay attention to when the drops are. We we don't know anyone who hasn't gotten one yet who actually has been trying. That's mm-hmm. all I can say. Um, I, and we're not. I understand there's undelling and be some people in the comments. Well, you don't know how hard it is. I got to the first month. Everyone we know got one. And I know, including Gerard in Spain. Oh. And he got one last year. He said he had to try, but he got one in Spain. He scalper prices so it's 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 not i don't think it's impossible anymore guys i have to tell you um timo writes in he says hi tom and dan now that tom is happy with his turbo 3090 and dan as far as i know still is a 6700 xt is there any games coming in the next six to nine months that seem to make your cards not run enthusiast level smoother for 4k monitor that you consider an upgrade uh, isn't gaming going like that newer games gradually push demands on devs learn more features and availability yeah blah so is there anything you're worried about running in 4K? I think you'd be more likely to want an upgrade than me. I kind of got... I, if, if you ask what I did, I paid $200 to get 4070 performance early with double the RAM. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not exactly looking to upgrade right now. I mean, if a good card comes along for a pr- good price, I get it. That's kind of how I've always operated. Is I, I, I'm never like I need to get a card this year usually. It's just like I guess I'll get one because I can. That's yeah. usually how I buy cards. Yeah, so I mean, but look, if I get an opportunity to get a 4070 for $600, it ends up being way better than my 3090 by like 30%, let's say, which is possible for sure. And then I find that I can sell the 3090 because some creators need the extra RAM. I can sell it for the same price. I'll swap it out. Did the same thing. Swapped out Radeon 7 for a 3070 because I was able to sell the Radeon 7 for way more than a 3070 during the mining boom. I'll do it again. But that's why I'll do it. I I have no issue running games. And I, I guess we'll see how all of the cards shake out. I mean, I don't think I would get anything stronger than a 4070, but... We'll see. <laughs> I mean, Dan, look, there it is. It's 3090. You haven't even come upstairs yet since you got here. Yeah, I know. It's right there. Yeah. You fucking peasant. Yeah, I know. <laughs> get on my level, Dan. Okay. Actually, I, sh- I should probably sell it and get a 3090 Ti now. I'm a peasant. Yeah. Or 6950 Might want to get two 3090 Ti's. Just no, you get sure. two 3090 Ti's and a 64-core Threadripper to make sure I'm the coolest guy. Because that's what that would mean, right? I'm cool. Yeah. That'd make me cool. Yeah. That'd get me the ladies. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we hope you <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of Broken Silicon. Um, remember, tell your friends about us. Uh, subscribe to Moore's Law's Dead. Ring the bell button. Give us a, a, a thumbs up. Um, even though you can't see the thumbs down anymore, the thumbs up still helps the algorithms to do that. Um, and if you have the extra money, support us on Patreon. You get this episode early, ad-free. You get Die Shrink. One just came out. Uh, for only for patrons that never has ads. Uh, there's a fun one where I like, uh, what did I look into? Like VRAM pricing this year um, and a, a couple of other things. Uh, all that stuff's out there. We can't do this without our patrons. If you need, you know, something our sponsors are selling, try to get it from our sponsors and use the offer code that helps us. And otherwise, uh, eh, have a good summer, everybody. Keep, yeah. uh, man, keep, keep touching those pixels, baby. Maybe. Not a fan of that. <laughs> this podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. 
That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law's Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Law's Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast, Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord, full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover State's podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, Please do share Moore's Laws, Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it, and so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Foll, A.V., Anthony Graffa, Greg Pataki, Muhammad Al-Kawari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, Little Germany, Jan Rauner, Daniel Hyde, Ivan K., Brian Riggleman, Dr. Foreman, Sam Miller, Deke, Thomas Rupp, Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Herod, SNES Chalmers, Tom Bailey, Greg T. Wanchuk, Andrew S., Frank Zielinski, Daniel D., MJB1, Eric Jackson, Justice Brennan, Sammy Good, Valco Malev, The Boss Haas, Nicholas Buckner, Spamptum G. Spamptum, Jonathan, Lord Starscream, General Drips, Blake, Franco Frederick, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Moses, Zeres, Gregory S. Hacker, Dominique Koch, Jake Dude 23, Jake Martin, Cameron, Caillou Mark Kelly, HardForum.com, Original Ross, Lucky Stefan, David Cowden, Ricky Tan, Christopher A. Butler, Jeezy Ziggy, Sarcastro, thanks for the package, Stefan Hart, Jason B., Meat and Pork Stew, Tim Robb, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jaskowiak, Travis Gooding, Holden Mobley, Nanyan, Chris Rich, Deepest Learners, Mad Zutsu Taylor, Stefan Coates, Michael McGee, Chuck Glidden, Sammy Malas, Greg, Ah Trini, Patrick Groh, Amy Will Chief, Brett Summers, Zenny Nguyen, Stephen Dick, Tommy Kundin, Brocha, Mark Mitchell, Mac Daffy, Dalmain Peter. James Anderson, Y. Chewy, Mark Raidmaker, Dave Schultz, 3DS Boy 08, Hal Buma, Norithio, Matthew Landabazo, Stefan Koladic, Henry Zhang, Judson N., Brendan O'Connell, Magrid, Michelle Pell, D31337, Antics, Jason Bowen, Noah Nicoella, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Jerome Ferreira, Zave Beetle 3, D. Sis, Thomas A. Teeth, Klein, Britannian, DNA Tech, 50C Desert, Jean O'Shea, Royce Meyer, Charles Russell, Reginate RE, Morpheus T. Cottom, Jackson Miller, Jess. JSMMH, Sandy Garrido Saunderson, David Eastland, Cal, Andre Jacques, Gaiman since Reagan, Jeff Sadler, Jordan, Simkovic, Loophole 35, Winstar, Joker, James I. Ratter, Corey Leonard, Nalima, John Shin, Justin Bussell, Kelvin, Austin Haggerty, Roger Davies, Shea, Julian Leet, 
Corey Capel, Evan Dingle, C2, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music. <laughs>